Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. The 2 1 pitch lifted in the air, deep left field, at the track, at the wall, gone! Lead off homer, Tommy Edmond. One nothing Cardinals. Baldy Young with a drive. Deep left field at the wall. Gone. Baldy Young with home run number 15. And it's 2 nothing St. Louis. You know, just the guys that we have on this team have a lot of winning experience. And so when a time comes where, you know, where the, you know, the cards are on the table, um, you know, these are the guys we want to have. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie, a big winner for the Cardinals last night. Four to one, a big, nice win for Jay Happ. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a minute, but I want to talk about the guy that hit the second home run in that game to kick things off today. Paul DeYoung's been better lately. Since July 1st, he is batting 258. That's not great, but 330 on base percentage, 785 OPS. He has three doubles and five home runs in that stretch. This is now, Alex, almost 100 at-bats that we've seen that Paul DeYoung's been better. About 25 games. Here's my question for Cardinals fans today. 65780 is your comfort service tax line. I want to hear your response to this as well, Alex. Is there anything Paul DeYoung can do the remainder of this season to shift our current opinions of him, to change where we're at on this team needing a shortstop going into next year, and for us to say, you know what? Paul DeYoung has earned another season of being the Cardinals starter at shortstop. Is there anything he can do down the stretch for you to get to that place? No. I I mean, unless you have a Jack Flaherty second-half performance. Wait, he's going to start pitching? Yeah. Oh, then yeah. Then I'm all in on this. No, I don't think there's anything he can do frankly because of the names that are out there because everyone's going to want everyone's going to want the prized possession it's going to want the Carlos Correa the Corey Seager if Paul DeYoung is an MVP the rest of the season I think it might at least start to change people's opinions on him but I don't think it's ever going to turn into oh he's our starting shortstop for next season I mean as great as his numbers have been since July 1st BK I mean, a third of the time he's at the plate, he's striking out. Yeah. And I think that's the problem right now. It's home run or it's bust for you. And frankly, you have a lot of those guys in your lineup. Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, Harrison Bader. I just don't know if he matches what the Cardinals need next year. So, no, I don't think there's anything Paul DeYoung can do. 
I'm pretty much on the same page of Alex. I, I think it's going to take kind of a unbelievable historic run for Paul DeYoung to change my mind because I've seen the same Paul DeYoung for the last basically two years and that he's struggled at the plate. He's striking out a lot. And honestly, his defense has kind of gone downhill a little bit. So in my opinion, I don't there. The only way he can prove me that he deserves another season is if he goes on a historic run. And I just don't think we're going to see that. I, I pretty much know that Paul DeYoung is not the starting shortstop moving into 2022. I think right he's just got to change his identity for me to even start thinking about it. Like you got to turn yourself away from a contact hitter or from change a power hitter. Maybe. I mean, you got to go. It's kind of like what we've been saying about Matt Carpenter, right? Like stop being the power hitter and start being the guy that you were at the beginning of your career where you were hitting doubles nonstop and getting on base. That's what I would say Paul DeYoung would have to do. But for me, I don't know if that's possible and I don't know if it really changes much. I actually agree with both of you. Um, I There's not a whole lot that I can see happening over the second half of the season where I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I feel really good about Paul DeYoung. I think he's going to finish this year with about 25 home runs. Like 10 home runs between now and the end this end of the season seems totally possible and for hit Paul like DeYoung. 200. Yeah, two, 220-ish, 215. I don't even know if we'll get there. Is that 200 right now? He's, he's raised his average a, de- a decent amount. I, I could see him getting to like 215, 220 maybe by the end of the season and having that on-base percentage be right around 300. But that's not enough for me. I think we kind of know what Paul DeYoung is and what really frustrates me right now about what his season has been. He's not hitting doubles. He's either hitting home runs or he's not getting hits at all. Mm-hmm. And when Paul DeYoung is at his best, like you look back to his uh, all-star season back in 2019, and I know he was not good down the stretch, but he had 30 doubles that year to go along with thir- his 30 home runs. He's hitting extra base hits, but they're all going over the fences. And when he's not doing that, he's not producing in any meaningful way. So I I appreciate that Paul DeYoung is kind of turning things around a little bit. I thought his quotes that he gave to Rick Hummel of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch were super enlightening. I'm just not sure it's going to work for him here as an everyday shortstop. And there, there's no shame in that. I think Paul DeYoung could go somewhere else, maybe where it's not quite as scrutinized as it is here in St. Louis. I think he could go on to have a pretty solid major league career. He's a solid major leaguer. I just don't know that he is what he was pegged to be when we first saw him. I don't think he's a cleanup hitter. I don't think he's an everyday regular shortstop on a championship contending team. I think he's a guy that on a championship team is probably a utility infielder. I don't know that he wants to be that though. And I think he could be a solid key cog as a like eight hole hitter for a great team. I just don't know that what he is here. And what they need him to be are going to be able to match. So I, I think for me, I've kind of made up my mind on what he is. And I think a lot of Cardinals fans feel the exact same way with this one. Uh, to me, it's the Aledmus Diaz factor. And this was the problem that Aledmus Diaz fell into. He had a sensational season that nobody thought was going to happen. Kind of the description of what we call Cardinals devil magic for this team. When he was the all-star and hit 35 bombs. And the expectations were put through the roof because the Cardinals were floundering for offense. They were floundering for a three-hole hitter, a four-hole hitter, and everyone was saying, oh, well, Paul DeYoung's that guy. This is the guy that's going to start that turnaround. And those were unrealistic expectations to put on Paul DeYoung of being a franchise centerpiece for your team, a shortstop every day in the middle of your order. I think this is more of what he is, kind of like what Aledmus Diaz drops down to be. Kind of an every-other-day player. He can fill in if you need him to. Bottom-of-the-order hitter. He's a good complementary piece. 
maybe that works somewhere else. But for the Cardinals, I think it will, by the way. I do, too. I, I think this is going to be kind of I don't know if it'll be as good as Luke Voigt, but I think it could be no. something like that where you go. I, I think it's just like a Lesmes Diaz. I, I think that's the perfect. Guy. I he's think he's a really, better than a Lesmes Diaz. See, though. I think he's right at that level because he's OK defensively. And if you look at Diaz's numbers, they don't jump off at the page of you. But since he's been in Houston, he's been a pretty good bench back guy to come off the bench for them. I, I just look at Paul DeYoung and think the power's there. If you go to another ballpark where maybe the expectations aren't as high, you could probably get some of that power back for you. But for the Cardinals, what they need, it just doesn't match this team because they need somebody who can hit at the top of the order. And Paul DeYoung will never be that. He's the type of guy that I could see going to like Seattle or uh, Baltimore, Toronto, something like that. Toronto doesn't make a lot of sense because they've got that spot. Well, Baltimore, but, he's not a pitcher. so <laughs> you, get, you guys know what True. I mean. Places that are a little bit less scrutiny than here in St. Louis. Yes, you can go we... play shortstop, be yeah. a starter every day, and he'll hit them 25, 30 home runs. And we will in St. Louis do probably what we did with Randall Gritchick. Oh, come on, we moved him. you got to be kidding this me. This is an MVP. You can't evaluate talent, Mo. See, you know what we did with Randall Gritchick where he went off and he'd have the exact same numbers that he had here in St. Louis. We're like, wait, we, we got to want those numbers now um and I, I heard the fast lane talking about paul de young a little bit the other day and they said hey would you accept now what paul de young did back in 2019 i think my answer to that is also no like if he finished 2022 if he came back and he was your starting shortstop and they were like okay we're gonna run this back and he's gonna give you exactly what he did back in 2019 a 230 batting average 320 on base finishes the year with exactly a 100 ops plus I think I still want more from that spot in my lineup. Yeah, I think they still need more than that from DeYoung. That's you're Tyler O'Neill numbers. Uh, that's worse than Tyler well, O'Neal. Well, what I'm saying, though, is, I mean, that's what Tyler O'Neill can be, if not better. You, oh, already, you sure. already have yeah. that. I think you would need him to be what he was back in 2017 when he first broke into the league. 285 batting average, 855 OPS. That's the player that you need Paul DeYoung to be. And he has not been that since 2017. It's been four years now since we've seen that player emerge. Yeah, you guys brought up expectations for Paul DeYoung. And I saw Ben Fred write this in his chat uh, yesterday. And he, he said, maybe you go, maybe you don't have DeYoung as the starting shortstop next year, but you can have him on the bench so it takes less pressure off him with his I expectations. I don't think you can do that. I don't either. I, I think he is a guy that can be off the bench, but I don't think it's here in St. Louis because there's still going to be that expectation with that contract. I, I think, and they did lower expectations for him this year. They or they were hoping to when they brought in Arnado, it just didn't work out. So we're going to blow our expectations even more. I just don't think that sits well with the fan base. It puts more pressure on him. I think he thrives, as we've said, outside of the organization and can be a good bench bat or a guy that can hit eighth, like you mentioned, in a decent lineup. The problem with that, though, is you're doing with Paul DeYoung what you tried to do with Matt Carpenter. And you just say, oh, he could be a good bat bench for us. And look, the guy's been floundering offensively like he's been struggling at the plate. That's when he's at the bat every day. Now, what do you think it's going to be where he's every other day coming off of the bench for one plate appearance? I don't know if he's going to succeed in that. I take the special type of hitter, and I don't know if Paul DeYoung is that brand for the team. I'm with you. And the other thing, I don't know that he wants to be a bench bat. No, of course So not. if he doesn't want to be a bench bat and he has value, which I believe that he does on the open market, by the way, if that's the most important thing that's happening right now, if he comes on with a little bit of a late season surge the way that we've seen from him in the past, well, now you're just adding value to what he is as a trade piece for you. Paul DeYoung has far more value to the Cardinals as a trade chip than he does as a bench bat. And that's why I would disagree with Ben Fred's assessment. And Ben Fred's a good rider. We just disagree on these types of things. Like, I just don't see him as having a whole lot of value as a guy that's coming off of your bench as a right-handed option. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I do, speaking of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, want to read you these quotes from DeYoung to Rick Hummel. 
because I thought they were pretty instructive on his mindset as a player. Said the whole reason for signing that extension was that I wouldn't have to worry about these little hiccups in the road. I want to stay in this position, stay in this city. I know I've got to keep pushing. Nothing's ever good enough. It's what are you doing now? Clearly, I'm not having the season that I'm capable of or should have had, but I fully expect to bounce back completely. Rakumel adds, DeYoung has found the fans at Bush Stadium to be nervous and even downright mad as they were against Atlanta last week. DeYoung said, quote, you can feel it. The fans are anxious, mad, booing, angry, riled up like they were the way that uh, or like the way they were the other night. Of course, we can feel that down here. We have a responsibility. These fans expect us to win. This is certainly a I want to say this up front. I appreciate Paul DeYoung being open and honest about this stuff. Seriously, he's spoken in the past about his anxiety that he felt with hitting with runners and scoring position. I appreciate that from him as well. I always love hearing the mindset that guys have when they step to the plate. I think this stuff's weighing on him here in St. Louis. And I think you can feel that at times from him as he's stepping to the plate. So this is why I say I think he would be a good fit in a place like Seattle or Baltimore, Kansas City, even where there's not those same expectations for him, where he can just go out and play. And there's not the same amount of pressure every single time when he steps to the plate to hit that home run that's going to break this game wide open. When this stuff weighs on you the way that it is for him, I mean, we've all felt this in our jobs before. I'm sure you listening right now, you felt that moment where there's the pressure, whether it's coming from your boss, your family, whatever. It's tough, and it does give you that anxiety. And I think it's starting to weigh on Paul DeYoung in a way that I I don't know that this is going to be the spot for him long term. It's the change of scenery. And and look, there are individual players who can handle the pressure and individual players who can't. And, And again, I'm with you. I appreciate Paul DeYoung being open and honest with this. But for me, hearing that, it does sound like a player that might not be able to handle it. And let's be honest, also, isn't that an easy place to no, play? And he's from, <laughs> I mean, he went to college at SIUE. So it's, you know, he's not the hometown kid, but he did grow up close to Cardinals Nation. So, you know, there might be a little bit more pressure weighing on something like that. All of those things, whatever they may be, excuses you call them, factors, whatever they are. It does sound like a player who might need a change of scenery. And unless it turns around for the rest of this season, I think if you're John Mosellock and company, you look at that and you say, okay, this might benefit both sides of the, the card here. Paul DeYoung can go get somewhere and play and be the shortstop he thinks he can be. And we have the ability to move on and find somebody who can be the next piece to help us move forward. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Hey, BK, what are his home road splits? This is interesting. Paul DeYoung at home this year has a 577 OPS. On the road this year, he has an 800 OPS almost. So he has been a significantly better player on the road than he has been at home this season for his career they're more similar he's about 750 at home and a 765 guy on the road in terms of his ops so they're not totally wildly out of whack uh on the road in his career but they are so far for this season yeah and by the way correct myself it was illinois state not siue i appreciate that i knew it was illinois but illinois state it's 11 15 your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler coming up in about 15 minutes or so we're gonna go around the nfl there's a few different storylines that we've all seen over the last few days that we want to make sure that we hit at some point today so we'll do that coming up in about 15 minutes or so coming up next jay hap with another impressive start last night Does that make you even more likely to go this route, the bargain bin free agent route? Or 
I found a few different free agents that could be on the top end of the uh, pitching market this offseason. I'll tell you what they could be valued at. Alex, you tell me if you're willing to sign up for it. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Jay Happ in two starts for the Cardinals. 11 innings pitched. He's allowed just three earned runs. This is the guy. Nope, just Jay. J.A. If he's pitching this well, Alex. Can I call him J.A.? You damn sure better be calling him by his real name. It's Jay. Well, don't put periods next to letters in your name if you don't want me to call you J.A. Happ. 11 innings. He's allowed a total of nine base runners for the Cardinals. This is the guy that the Cardinals were hoping for. And it's why when we go into the offseason, I think we're going to be talking about some of the bargain bin types of discounts. Those are the pitchers that the Cardinals are going to be potentially looking at. However, if they wanted to go the expensive market, what would it cost? The wallet's open, baby. Yeah, it is. We've talked a lot about the shortstops. $25, $30 million, it's kind of what you're looking at. But the difference between the pitching market and the shortstop market is that those shortstops are like 26, 27, 28 years old. They're they're going to get some term. The pitchers are 36, 37, 38 years old. That is correct. (laughs) So I was was curious, what are some of the values that you could be looking at? Well, SpotRack puts together some of these for uh, their website. That's how that's pronounced? Yeah. I seriously thought it was sporadic. Nope, it's close. Yeah, uh, Max it's not even Scherzer spelled right. Max Scherzer, they project to get a one-year, twenty-nine million dollar contract in the offseason. Zach Greinke, one-year, twenty-eight million dollar contract this offseason. That's absurd. If you signed either of those two players, I think that's about right you're basically eliminating yourself from the shortstop market. You're not adding $60 million to this payroll. It's just not happening. Whether they should or shouldn't, that's a different conversation. They're not going to. The other guy that is at the top of the market this offseason is Marcus Stroman. He's interesting. Four years, $64 million is what they value him at. So it's a little more reasonable, about $16 million per year. Still probably takes you out of the shortstop market. I don't think the Cardinals, I I would prefer the Cardinals go get one of those shortstops as opposed to one of these top end pitchers. Do you guys agree with that starting point? My math does correct. 30 million for a shortstop and 16 million for Stroman. You still got uh, $14 million to spend. I said they're not spending sixty million dollars. Well, why not? They got they have okay. the opportunity. They got to spend forty six million dollars. Yeah, you ever seen the inside of the the wallet? There's a lot of dough it's in there. It's big, man. Yeah. There's like rooms in that the wallet. There is, and they're not going to no, be yeah, occupied. No, <laughs> so. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not going. If I have the option, I'm not picking one of those three names over a Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Trevor Story because those guys make me a better team, in my opinion, than those three names right there in the starting pitching market. Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. I, But depending on what the contract looks like for those shortstops, because I saw what some of those oh, contracts they're absurd. projecting, those I don't see the Cardinals being interested in. I agree that probably shortstops probably more of where they should try to spend the money rather than starting pitching. But if the contracts are what they're projecting out to be, I don't think the Cardinals go spend that money. And then I see them focusing on pitching. Ugh. Max Scherzer, one-year deal. I don't see that being a bad deal for the Cardinals if you miss out on a shortstop. Well, oh, no, done. it's a good deal if it's your backup plan, but I don't... And he's I don't, not doing it, so yeah. I don't even think it's even worth con- conversating about. All right, so if we don't think that they're going to go to that top end of the market, it's probably going to be a discount option. Alex, this is feeling a little bit like a Ferrari 05. Oh, baby, let's do it. T-Bone, hit the open. 
You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario 5, a top five list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top five. We discussed this yesterday because we talked about Anthony D. Scal or Scla? Scla? Anthony Italian last name. That's yes. what we talked about. So I thought we thought the great name during commercial break was finding Anthony Italian last name. And that's what I did, boys. What? It was a good name. It was a good nickname. All right, I got I got six of them. Hold on. Yeah, I got six of them. Saying a Ferrario six. Yeah, you're right. It's five. Okay, well, I'm going to eliminate one. And that one that I'm eliminating is Steve Matz. He was the sixth one in, the lefty what? right now. I had him on one of mine. I, I took him off because I just didn't like his contact rate. And I went nerd on this one, oh. boys. And I'm looking you at... don't like his contact yeah, rate. It's like 68% or something like Haven't that. Haven't we seen what that does for the Cardinals? That's a good thing. Yeah, look we, at John Lester. Pitch to contact, baby. We've got defense. Well, that's what I'm saying. His contact rate is too low. He needs more contact rate. So I got rid of okay. him in this one. Number five on this, boys, Alex Cobb. We've talked about him before, right? Yeah. He's with the Angels. Probably could have got him this offseason, but you didn't because you thought your rotation was set. I like this guy. Had a 72.8 contact rate, which is what I'm looking at because if you're going bargain bin hunting, you need guys who are going to be kind of in the bottom tier of your rotation but are going to pitch kind of like what J.A. Happ sure. has done for these last couple of days. So Still Alex J. Cobb, number five. No, it's not. It's J.A. There's a period. Okay. Number four of the Ferrario five. The guy that they probably should have tried to trade for from Minnesota. Instead, they went the route of J.A. Happ, Michael Pineda. Oh, he becomes a free agent. I think he's around like 31, 32. So not 32 years old, be 33 next year. Ridiculously old when it comes to starting pitching. I like that idea. And again, this is another guy. 77.6% rate contact, boys. Just keeps getting higher. And uh-huh. I like Michael Pineda. I think there's a little bit of Lance Lynn aggressiveness with him on the mound. You get that bulldog mentality. He matches really well. Plus, he goes deep into games when he's healthy. He's walked 17 guys this year in 16 starts. Yeah, that'll play. I can you know, do that. You know no, who's I done that on the Cardinals team? Nobody. Uh, Wayno. Uh, probably. That's true. Okay, number three on this one, boys. Chris Archer. Chris Archer's had a kind of resurgence this year with Tampa. He was terrible in Pittsburgh. And before he went to Pittsburgh, you remember Cardinals fans wanted the Cardinals to acquire him. Pittsburgh got him. He was terrible. And then he kind of drops off the radar. Chris Archer's pitched well this season. Alex, I don't think he has, man. He has. I looked at it. It's like a 3.8 ERA. He's he's thrown four innings. Yeah, but he's been hurt a lot this (laughs) season. That's pretty good. He just came back from injury. He has a six ERA. That's fine. It's fine. He was on this list. I'm keeping him on here. Just replace him with Steven Matz. No, I'm keeping him on here because I like the idea of Chris Archer. Okay. He has 72% contact rate in those four innings thrown. Good. Which is pretty damn good, actually. We're going Steven Matz is number three. Oh, whatever. Zach Davies is number two. Okay. No, no, no. You just snarled your lip. Go look at his numbers. Okay. I've seen him pitch a lot. Not great. Yeah, against the Cardinals. You know, I... I had an initial reaction of like a kind of how Jamie feels when Carlos Martinez getting yeah, ready to I start. Yeah, I felt that too. And then I thought about it a little bit more, and I was like, you know what? Maybe it wouldn't be so bad. And then I looked at the numbers, and I'm back to my initial reaction. Yeah, I want to throw 61 up. walks this year. That's Leads fine. the league. That's and fine. he throws. He matches this tar- Cardinals team harder. to a T. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm out on Zach Davies. He matches this Cardinals team to a T, I boys. like your first two really uh, quite a lot. No, I liked my last two. Okay. You'll like this last one, though. 
And I know what you're going to say because he's been injured, but if he's healthy, oh boy. This matches you because perfectly. That's what the Cardinals need. Oh, this is bargain. It. Are we not bargain hunting? You got to go it. find guys I, who are I hurt. I think I know who you're thinking. Who do you think? Is he going to say Noah Syndergaard? Oh, no, that's not who I was thinking. I was thinking Jose. I thought about Noah Syndergaard, but no, he's been hurt for two years, yeah. and that makes I, me nervous. I was thinking Jose, you're, you're whatever, you're Reno. <laughs> that's Detroit. Watch your mouth, first of all. Julio Tehran. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I This was one I said in the offseason, and he, he was yeah. hurt to begin the season, and he finally has gotten back these last couple of times, and I really like this pitcher. I mean, when he was with Atlanta, he was yeah. he looked like he was going to be their next ace and then was injured, never really panned out. If I'm bargain bin shopping and this guy only plays half of a season and he pitches well, I'm going after this guy. Because in my idea, if he's healthy, I think he could be a 2-3 in your rotation this, next year. Contact rate, hard thrower, goes deep into games, when healthy. And again, I know it's wind ifs, but you're going bargain shopping, which means you're always going to have these problems. This was my number one. When I saw this one, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the guy I think you have to go for. Tanner, who'd you have that Alex didn't mention? I had Jose Urena. I had him. It's not even a real person. That is a real person. He's on Detroit now. He's been injured. He's dealt with some elbow issues. He's had a groin. He's on the aisle now with a groin strain. So he's had the injury issues. ERA's high, but he has a very high ground ball percentage. And that's why I liked him. He's 14th. He ranks 14th highest in ground ball percentage among starters uh, that have gone 70 innings or more. I think him and the Cardinals defense that we talk about, I think he fits perfectly. He's the one starter I had that he didn't have. I really did want to put Noah Syndergaard on that list, but two years injured, I I can't. I can't do it. I'm with you. I totally agree. I thought you were going to go that route. I'm not that that dumb. Um, (laughs) So we like three of the five or four of the six. I think Pineda, Cobb, Pineda's the guy. Pineda's the guy. Cobb's probably second. Who's the other one that I'm forgetting? Matt. Steven Matt. put back in because oh, yeah, you Matt's. guys hated Archer Actually, and Davies. Actually, I think Matt's would be number one for me. But the problem is when I looked at him is I don't know if he's going to be a quote-unquote bargain because I think he can get a two-, three-year deal. He hasn't pitched that well this season. Dollars. Yeah, but he's still kind of young. He's still got potential. Some of these other guys like Pineda, we already know what he's been in his mm-hmm. career. Julio Tehran is exact, I like Tehran exactly too. what they need. Tehran is my new Jamie Alexiak, boys. Whoa. It's got to happen. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's uh, certainly a guy you could have as being that. I think your I think your Alexiak should be Michael Pineda. He <laughs> he makes a lot of sense for what the Cardinal. He doesn't walk anybody. He does have a pretty good, um, as you mentioned, contact rate, um, which is going to keep a lot of teams less interested in him because they're going to look at those fielding independent numbers that I talked about yesterday. They're not super kind to a guy like Michael Pineda because he's. He uses his defense a lot. He doesn't strike out a ton of batters. He fits exactly what they need. That is the stability that the Cardinals rotation doesn't have right now. We're talking yesterday about KK and how I don't feel totally comfortable because of those injuries. I don't think I want them to sign a guy that has injury questions this offseason. I'm not interested, honestly. They have enough of those players that if they hit, if they're healthy, you feel pretty good about it. Miles Michaelis is one. Um, Hudson is another Honestly, in some ways, Flaherty, I think you need somebody that you just you can go into spring training knowing they're going to throw 160 innings for me this year. I think I think Michael Pineda could be that guy for him. Yeah, I, I think he would be the most sense because we did talk about him in the offseason about or sorry, when the injury occurred to Jack Flaherty as being one of those guys to go get. 
I, he would definitely fit the bargain bin. I, I think Teron's an interesting one because there is that potential of what happened in the past. He's interesting. I just don't think for this team. Do you guys? You guys would be interested in in signing a a guy that's been injured the last couple of years. I, I think it's a. It, it depends on what the cost is. I think the cost is going to be low, and you got a high reward with it. I mean, if we're looking at a one year deal where you got to pay him. League minimum, I, yeah, to a league minimum, dollars. and tell them like, look, if you perform, you're going to get a lot of bonus incentives. I, I, I mean, I, you're looking at a guy who was an All Star twice. He was a Rookie of the Year. I think he was fifth in that voting. And again, if he's healthy this year, and I understand you're playing the what if game there, but I mean, you're you're talking about a guy who's 31 years old. I'm with you. It's just it. It's one of those opportunity costs. Like the actual monetary cost is not high at all. But if you just sign him and you don't go out there and add another veteran. Uh, starting pitcher because I don't think they would. I think they would just say, "Okay, this is our break glass in case of emergency guy." If you're if you're going to sign one veteran free agent starter this offseason, I do not want it to be a guy that is hurt because I don't know what to expect from them. Because you're right, if it hits, you you have hit the lottery. If it doesn't, though, if he ends up being hurt again, which is high high likelihood. Now you have no insurance policy and you're stuck in the same place that you were this year. So that that's why I come down on that side. But I am also being way more conservative on this because the, the upside of your plan is way higher than whether it be Alex Cobb or Michael Pineda. The upside's higher on your side. I do think, though, that you're not going into this market saying we're just going to sign one veteran free agent starting pitcher. I think you're going to look at multiple options. I think you're going to look at a guy who maybe signs for the league minimum and, and you know might be a triple a major league baseball guy you might get a guy who's on some bonus incentives like Tehran, but i also think you're going to go for a guy who is a proven one in the rotation because think about it you only have one for sure thing in the rotation this year if you don't bring kk back and that's jack flaherty michaelis wayno hudson reyes hicks oviedo all of these are unsures so i think you're going for a certain thing but i also think because of what took place this season you're going to look at other options as well for backup and that's where Tehran falls on wayno is one of those guys i think they're going to say I, we sign wayno we'll bring him back and then we'll add one more from the outside and see when i think bargain bin pitcher the cardinals are going to add i think Pineda is a guy that gets like one year five to ten million dollars yeah. i don't see that i see it being more the cardinals are going to look for a guy that's one year one million dollars in oh. that range one to Three million dollars can be a five starter if Reyes isn't ready to be a starting pitcher or there's an injury that occurs. That's how I viewed it. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We'll get into some questions and answers coming up here in about fifteen minutes or so. Coming up next, though, around the NFL, I know I want to talk about a new rule that's going to be coming to a stadium near you next year. We'll see what Alex and Tanner have for us as well. Coming up next on one hundred and one. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Let's go around the NFL. There's a lot going on as NFL training camps are up and running for every team not named the Houston Texans because today was their final day of training camp. Did you guys see this? Well, they don't really have a quarterback, so. The Houston Texans decided, yeah, you know what? We've got our work in. We're good. All right. So today is their final day of camp. They have yet to play a preseason game. Typically, you'll run these camps through a lot of teams, two weeks of the preseason. And then the final week, they'll start going into uh, like game mode where they practice at their stadium. So they basically just said that they don't need any more training camp. They're good to go. So I think what happened here, if I did a little tinfoil theory of my own, is that the Houston Texans decided, you know what? We don't want media here anymore. We don't need any more of this coverage of what Deshaun Watson is or is not doing at camp. And when we go into game mode, if you will, the media can only see 20 minutes of practice, which is essentially them them stretching, right? You've been to these practices before. Yeah. 
the first 20 minutes of any practice is them stretching and then maybe going through a few a few individual things where if you're watching the quarterbacks, for example, you see them maybe throw a couple of passes. That's pretty much it. So the Texans are shutting down their camp to the media starting tomorrow because of everything that we've seen over the last few weeks. Yikes. This is what happens when you get a team chaplain in charge of a team. This is what happens. You get a guy like, ah, oh, you know what? You guys worked real hard these last couple of days. Yeah. No more just, two days, guys. Just, you know what? Go sit home. Go sit at home, rest up, and you know what? Whatever happens, I mean, we, happens. We can't get any worse. We already know we're going to stay. I'm Who putting cares? an over-under right now, Honestly, boys. First preseason game, over-under two and a half players that have some type of serious season-ending injury. For the Texans? Yeah. Oh, I'll take the under on I'll that. I'll take the over on that. Over-under one and a half wins for them this season. Oh, I'll surely the, they can win two, I'll, say, right? I'll take the over. Uh, they'd hit two. I think they can hit two. I'm telling you, someone, there are going to be at least three people that tear an ACL from not practicing. Have you looked at the Texans' depth chart? I mean, I I'm don't sorry, want what to. You just, I what, what word did you just the say? Texans up chart? depth chart. Oh, I thought you said up chart. It's different than a down they chart. They have a bunch of dudes on this team that were good for other teams like five years ago. Hey. Justin Britt, the former Mizzou offensive lineman that played for Seattle. What about Kenny He's Britt? on this roster. He's not on this roster. Um, they have Former David Ram. Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, and Rex Burkett oh, as the running back. David Johnson, the best trade ever for the Houston Texans. And that sounds like a hell of a running back group. That's a pretty yeah. good one in 2013. That was really good. Um, they have just like the most random collection of talent on their roster right now. Do they have guys who can hey, stop the ball on the other side of the field? No. We can't oh, okay, rip on good. them for doing bargain bin shopping because we just did it about but five minutes ago. But their entire roster is that. Chris Conley, Chris Moore, Andre Roberts. Chris Conley was a chief, man. <laughs> Stick up for your boy. <laughs> Anthony Miller, who was with Chicago. Like, it is the most random, haphazard roster building. I think they go under two and a half wins They might be better off doing, like, the movie and replacements and just, like, have all of the players not show up and just go get some scrubs off the field somewhere and have them play. Hire the janitor to be your quarterback. Hey, you never know. Alex, what stood out to you, man, as we go around the NFL? Well, the Indianapolis Colts stood out to me, boys, because a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about how Indy's on fire because Carson Wentz has gotten foot surgery and he might be out the most random time frame ever. He could be out anywhere from three to to five to 12 weeks. And then Quentin Nelson goes down. Oh, he'll be out five to 12 weeks. Well, not apparently anymore, because now it sounds like that both are trending towards returning in week one. Which makes me really concerned that Indy's going, hey, can you guys like just push through for the season? Because there's no way a foot foot injury happens to these two players, especially an offensive lineman, and then say, okay, have the surgery and you'll be ready to go for week one. Like there's no possible way that they're going to be 100% healthy. No, probably not. Uh, do you guys know the name Sam Ellinger? Uh, I think my cousin has a buddy who's that. Okay, Sam no. Uh, he was a quarterback at Texas for four years. When he first showed up oh, on campus, <laughs> looked pretty impressive. Looked like he was going to be a very good player for the Longhorns. That never works out. I uh, didn't exactly go as planned. Sam Ellinger, not a particularly good passer. <laughs> what does that mean? Sam Ellinger also was prepared to be the starting quarterback for the Colts if they didn't get uh, Carson Wentz back before week one. So what happened here? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Sam threw a ball and they're like, oh, God. Hey, hey, Carson, like, I know that, like, hey, your career's done in the next couple of weeks anyway. So, like, just go out there and play week one for us. That foot can't hurt that bad. Exactly. Yeah. You, I, I think your foot's feeling better, right, yeah. Carson? Just Guys, don't I let anybody walk. fall on it. Uh, you're fine. Just hop. Yeah, just there you go. Hop. Tanner, what stood out to you? 
these quarterback battles that we're seeing, all these seem close. You had Vic Fangio today says yet to see any separation between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. I wonder why. Poo yeah. and poo. <laughs> and then you've got in New Orleans, which that one fascinates me, between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Apparently they're super close in the quarterback well, that's battle. because Jameis is bad and Taysom's average. And then you've got New England who say Cam Newton's still the starting quarterback, but yet you've got Bill Belichick saying, that's ah, a clear slate. Who knows who's going to be the starting quarterback? Yeah, it's just because I want to see Cam Newton not be able to throw There's a ball really good reports on Mac Jones. Yeah. And yet they're still saying that it's Cam Newton. Don't even get me started on the red rifle. What the hell are we doing, Chicago? (laughs) That's just their depth chart is ridiculous. They can't. They can't. They can't do that. Well, wait, hold on. Let's pause. They can. They can in week one because they play the Rams. After that, who cares? That's true. They are on Sunday night football in week one. And they're going to make all of us. This is how this works. Andy Dalton go up against that defense. This is how this works, though. Andy Dalton. None of us want to see that. They want Andy Dalton to get hurt. So then he's not there anymore for Justin Fields to be blocked. Have you guys seen some of the videos of Justin Fields coming out in camp? Yeah. He looks really good. Dude looks like a stun. And you know how I always say everybody looks good in camp? You know who doesn't look good? The Red Rifle. Well, of course, because we've seen it. It's He was with one of the best offenses in the NFL last year, and he stunk. The, the Cowboys, Wait, he before he oh, started, yeah. were great offensively. Then he started, and they were terrible offensively. I wonder what changed. I, I really want to see uh, I, I want to see Justin Fields start week one. All right, final thing that I wanted to get to here. Did you guys see the news of the new penalties that the NFL is going to be cracking down on starting this year? Pass interference and all the good stuff like that? No, no, no. Legal tackle with two hands? Mm -mm. Nope. This year, they are going to crack down on the thing that has been bothering all of us in the NFL. Every week, I watch commercials, and I see a football player, namely Tyreek Hill, put up the peace sign, looking back at against another fellow player. Deuces. And I say to myself, that is not good sportsmanship, sir. That's what I always say. If my kid was watching that, I broke I my would, TV one that he did that last I, if year. If my child was watching him do that, I would be ashamed. As, as you should be. And now the NFL's putting a stop to it. What kind of tone for is you? that setting? For Adelaide? Yeah, what kind of tone for is that? For every kid across America, they will not have it with this taunting. Get uh, out of here. This is what I'm talking about. In its annual rule changes and points of emphasis video released yesterday, the league announced that the penalty will be a point of emphasis for officials this season. That means two strikes and you're out. Two taunting penalties will now equate to an automatic ejection. So, for example, if Tyree Kill scores two touchdowns and on both of them, he gives the peace sign in the face of a player as they are chasing him. Ref gives it right back to him. Deuces, you're out of here. He gets thrown out of the game for taunting. Hold on a minute, though. Didn't they just, like, get rid of the the flag on touchdown celebrations? Yes. So you can taunt when you score a touchdown, but you can't taunt individually when you score a touchdown? What are we doing, NFL? Part of me, nobody cares about this stuff, right? Am I wrong on this? Does anybody care? Well, people do because we get the texts all the time. Well, that's setting a terrible tone and message for my kids watching that. Tell your kid that they can't do this until they make a million dollars a year in the NFL. But here's, here's the only part of me that I sit here and be like, okay, well, I guess I can see what they're thinking because anytime these taunting happen, it usually results in somebody throwing a fist the next moment. How many fights do we see in the NFL? Yeah, but we do like enjoy twice them. A year? Well, I love them. I'm just saying. The refs are probably like, okay, I'm done with this. I don't need to step in between these two And I do feel behemoths. bad for the ref step in between. No, I don't. You know, have you seen those refs? They're jacked. Yeah, but they don't got They're pads on in a helmet. They're Both of jacked. them have the last name Hockley. <laughs> Hockley? Like Hercules? No. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't believe that we are actually doing this. Yeah. I, this is going to be gone by the end of the year because everybody's going to agree at that point that this is absurd. That One of the greatest moments in the Super Bowl, and it happened to my team, 
was Antoine Winfield Jr. going into Tyreek Hill's face with the deuces right in front of Tyreek Hill. It was great. And Tyreek probably was laughing about it, too. Of course. It was awesome. It was a cool moment for him as his team's getting ready to win the Super Bowl. I I just don't understand, man. I I guess maybe there's reason for it, but I'm never going to get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, I want to hear from you, the listener. Let's hear from you on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. We all know exactly what the Cardinals need this offseason. They need a high-priced shortstop. Exactly. It costs money, right? And they need to add to their depth. Do you have faith in John Mosaylock to be able to get that done, though? Give us a Rhino Shield mic drop over on the 101 ESPN app. We'll give you our answers to that coming up at the top of the hour. But coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line for questions and answers. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line for questions and answers. Earlier today, uh, Desiree Reed Francois, the new athletic director at the University of Missouri, was officially introduced. She uh, spoke highly about the university, as one would expect. Also at that press conference was the University of Missouri System President Mun Choi. He said, Alex, quote, People talk about going from good to great. Today, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Oh. We are going from good to winning championships. Okay. Let's let's pump the brakes here a little bit. Does that get you excited as a Missouri fan? Uh, championships in terms of football. I mean, I've already stated that. They're taking down Alabama this year. Eli Drinkwitz. I'm drinking okay. it. Are we Slower ta- rolls just are we, a little bit. Are we bit. talking championships elsewhere? Because I'm not too sure about that one. Uh, they have some other good programs. Softball has been doing okay. well. You Their know swimming what, program you know is what very I'm good. Speaking of BK, you they know have a what, great wrestling program. You know what I'm I think talking you can win about? Championships in those sports. I am talking about hoops. Well, I don't have a good answer for I you. I think there. that puts that piece of the athletic department under the microscope. Does it not? I don't know. Uh, okay, Reed Francois. I don't know. That means that you really don't know. Desiree Reed Francois was the uh, assistant athletic director at Tennessee. She was in charge of the search committee when they hired Conzo Martin. There is a pre-existing relationship between the two of them. I would expect Conzo to be the head coach of the Missouri men's basketball team for at least the next two years. I'm with you. But- and we'll see what happens after that. If he does not succeed and the program doesn't look like it's heading in the right trajectory then maybe then they make a change because but for the next couple of years i wouldn't expect one. we've talked about how it doesn't really feel like they're bringing in the recruits to kind of take that next turn does this change things at all that'd be the question i have because if you're gonna An athletic director yeah does this help this at all uh i mean i i don't know how it would i, I would say probably not no so then how do you just say that well now we're gonna start turning this into championships Shrug emoji. I don't know, man. That's Gets why, me excited, though. That's why I said <laughs> pump the brakes there. Let's pump the brakes. 65780 is your comfort service text line from the 980. Hey, guys, I know we talk a lot about what the Cardinals need. I wanted your guys' guys' opinions on the talent evaluators for this organization. Do you believe that we have the right people in place to make those decisions? We're going to talk about that a little bit more on the other side. Um, I still believe that John Mosaylock is a good president of baseball operations i think that there are probably 20 teams in major league baseball that would love to have john mosaylock running their team 
I think it's fair to be a little skeptical of what we've seen over the last few years, though. I think all of those things can be true over at the same time for me. Yeah, for me, I, I mean, there's two sides of this with Mo. Mo, I think, is incredible in terms of seeing where the team needs to be upgraded and going out and making those moves. I mean, look at the Jason Hayward trade that he did. Look at the free agency of Dexter Fowler and Mike Leake, although they didn't work out. The trade for Paul Goldschmidt, the trade for Nolan Arenado. He's fantastic at doing those moves. But in terms of seeing the depleted areas and being able to evaluate the talent that they're bringing in to fill that hole, I just don't know. Is that on Mo? That's another fair question. Partially, but I also think it's on the people that are working with Mo. So I, if you're going to blame John, I think you have to blame the entire por- portion of the talent evaluators because he's good at getting guys, but he's not good at getting the guys that need to be got. That makes sense. Think about it. Okay. He's good at getting the guys. <laughs> I know. It's like, good stuff. it's like poetry, but he's just not good at getting the guys <laughs> that need to be got. It's a t-shirt, actually, if you think about it. Yeah, I think it's fair to be... <laughs> Critical, but like you said, I, I think he's good at kind of waiting out kind of for those good players like Paul Goldschmidt. That deal was a steal. You gave up Carson Kelly, who looks good, but he had no role here in the organization. And then you look at the Arnado deal. I mean, Colorado's hands were forced, and he was able to kind of steal him from them without giving up top prospects. But the talent evaluation of other guys, whether it's free agents, look at Brett Cecil and some of those contracts, those are the ones that that are a little bit concerning. And again, I'm with you, Alex. I'm not sure that's 100% on him. I think that's on the front office just as a whole. Well, and you have scouts that do that too. Like sure. I know in hockey, you have pro scouts just as much as you have um, junior hockey scouts. So, I mean, it's on the guys that are going to the other major league games and looking at those players and saying, yeah, he looks like he'd be a perfect fit for our organization. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line from the 314. Hey guys, do you think Tommy Edmond stays as the everyday second baseman next year? Or would you prefer to shift him to a utility role and you bring in somebody else or bring up somebody else to be your everyday second baseman. That's the place that I would prefer or the role that I would prefer him to have as being a uh, utility player. Um, I think that's probably what his future will hold for the Cardinals play second, play third, play short, play him in the outfield when necessary. I think that's where he's ultimately going to land. I think that's where he'll get to, but I don't think that's where he's going to be at the start of next season. Because I think if I mean, if we see it, I'm sure the front office sees it. I hope they would. Shortstop is the biggest need of an upgrade. The hope is Nolan Gorman's ready to go next season, but maybe he's not at the beginning of the year. Tommy Edmond might be your starting second baseman because I don't want them to have to spend money on both shortstop and second base. Tommy Edmond may start at second base when Nolan Gorman's ready. Then he's ready to become that utility. Our guy, guy Jonathan Scope resigned with Detroit. So he's not potatoes. He's gone, man. Yeah, I'm with you, Alex. I think he starts. He's he's perfect as a utility guy. I think he starts the year as the starting second baseman. But point, the Cardinals will believe Nolan Gorman's ready, and that's when he will become the second baseman. And then you see Edmund slide to that super utility role. Speaking of infielders, Jairo Munoz in AAA right now for Boston. He's got it's a 32 a crazy, game hit streak. Yeah, it's not a crazy streak. Sorry, right it always now. works out. Oh, great. They can't evaluate talent still. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We'll get into some uh, more likely to happen in about 15 minutes or so. Coming up next, though, we all know what the Cardinals need. Alex's reference to Tanner has as well. The Cardinals need a shortstop. They need big time talent in the middle of their order. Do you have faith in John Mosaylock to get this done this offseason? Because it's not just a shortstop. They need depth in the pitching staff. They need depth in terms of their position players. Do you have faith that this front office can be able to get all of that done as the Giants did in one offseason? We'll give you our answers to that. Hear from you guys via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app coming up next. 
This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Cardinals need. We've talked about it all season long. One We've piece. talked about it for years, one honestly. Piece away. Well, maybe Plus not four. just one. Maybe like four or five. But we know they need a shortstop improvement. We know they need some more depth, whether that be position player side or on the pitching side. They need depth all over the place right now. Question is, do they have the right front office to get that done? Alex Tanner, I'm BK. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. I actually do. I think they have the right front office in place to do this. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people that are upset with me for saying that. But John Mosaloc deserves the opportunity to get this right again because he's done a pretty darn good job of going out and finding the pieces via trade that can be that building block, right? He went out and got Marcelo Zuna. He got Jason Hayward before that. He was able to acquire Matt Holiday. He ended up getting uh, Paul Goldschmidt and then Nolan Arenado. He has found foundational, who he believes were going to be at least, foundational pieces for this team. The problem was stacking them up. He wasn't able to find the guy that could be that foundational piece and then stack two to three more guys on top of that, the way that they did in the early 2000s with Walt Jockety. So now is that opportunity. You found Paul Goldschmidt. You added Nolan Arenado to that. Now you feel like you've got a good young outfield to add to that core. Now you got to get one more. Get one more. And if you can do that, you feel pretty good about where the Cardinals are at. The easiest position this offseason to do it, the most um, non prospect laden way to do that is via free agency at the shortstop market. I'm going to trust given the $60 million that's coming off of the, the salary cap this year, the the payroll this year, I'm going to trust that this front office is willing and able to go out and do that. If they don't, we can have different conversations later on, but I'm not going to preemptively say, Oh, they're not going to do anything. There's no chance. Mo never does anything without giving him the opportunity to do that. So I still believe they have a good front office in place. I think they can get this done. So I am trusting that this front office will make the necessary changes this offseason. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app to hear from you guys. Alex, do you have that same trust in this front office? I'm starting to lean the other way. Uh, I, I, for a long time, have been on the same page as you thinking that, look, Moe's done it in the past and he can get it done again. But I am starting to lean the other way, and a lot of this resides around his comments about, you know, kind of having ha- having a little bit of a scare tactic in terms of trading players or signing players because of what's hurt them in the past. And to upgrade this team, and Robert Murray told us this earlier this week, to upgrade this team, it's going to take a lot of moves. And I don't know if John Mozeliak and company, one, trust their evaluation in terms of signing guys that can help this team, and two, is willing to go to the free agent market and spend money. How many times have we seen them go to the market and spend money? It's usually in the trade route. And we've already discussed about how they don't want to trade pieces unless it's for something that's going to truly help them. And I don't know what's what's out there in terms of a trade after this trade deadline. It's hard to know until the offseason. Of course. But in terms of free agency... I don't know if the trust factor is still there for me and for Mo and company to say, okay, we need to go buy this, 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 and this to help our team. Whereas they're going to look internally and say, well, we have these pieces. We'll let them run for another season. I have more faith in Mosaic in the front office and making a trade. And I understand I say that and you go, oh, they just traded Randy Rosarena. He was Babe Ruth in the postseason. Look at the numbers now. I mean, Carlson's putting up better numbers than him and Adolis Garcia. Yeah. They're very similar. So 
I look at the trade route and I say, okay, he's done some good trades. The Goldie trade. You look at the Arenado deal. Free agency is where I become skeptical. And I'm not talking about the shortstop market because, though, yes, that is where they clearly need the need. To me, that's going to come down to his ownership going to be willing to spend the money. Because I think Mosella can nail one of those deals. To me, it's going to be outside the shortstop market. Can he go find that bargain pitcher that's going to do well? Can he find that good one- to two-year deal that's going to solidify whether it's the bullpen or the rotation or find that great bench bat? Because they really haven't done a successful job of that, in my opinion, of late. Brad Miller was a good one-year deal. That was a good signing. KK. KK's it's been was a good. good. It was a good Tem- signing. For time. For for periods, it's been good. It hasn't been yeah. overall good the time of the Given contract. The salary, they, though, I think it's been solid. Looking at other big contracts, you got like the Mike Leak deal, which was not Terrible. did not work out. The Brad Cecil Fowler. deal did not work out. Dexter Fowler Mike deal Leak. did not work out. Uh, the What's the other one I'm forgetting? Oh, Andrew Miller. Honestly, to me, that contract has not played out well. Agreed. The one-year deal Matt Carpenter and Matt extension, Carpenter extension did not play out well. Miles so, Michaelis, preemptive extension as well. Yeah, so... I look at the signings and I say, okay, I have a little bit of skepticism of this front office in evaluating what contract they need to hand out. When it comes to the trade route, there I have a little bit more confidence in the way they handle things, but it's free agency that does have me a little bit concerned heading into the offseason. But even the trade route, too, it feels like he'll make a move and then sit back and say, okay, we're done. And I don't know if that, like, you can't... Is that on ownership, though, or is that on Mo? Because this offseason, I think it was on ownership. I think think they had a mandate of not going above what the payroll was last year. And that prevented them from going out and making more significant moves. But if you look in the past, too, I mean, like they made the move for Jason Hayward and put the, kind of the feet up and said, OK, we're good. Uh, you make the trade for Marcelo Zuna and say, OK, we're but good. How often do you see teams make two big moves in one offseason? I'm not it talking big moves, happens. though, but if you make a move, it's kind of what you said. You're not building on top of it. it. It feels like they make a move and then they say, OK, we'll let internally do the rest. And you can't do that. Like, you you have to be able to make a move and say, okay, where are our other holes? Because it feels like in their mindset, it's, okay, well, we've plugged the hole of third base now with Nolan Arenado, so everything else kind of falls into place. Or we plugged the hole at first base, everything else falls into place with this. And that's not how it works. If you fill that hole, you're going to have to go out and continue to build off of it if you're trying to make a World Series contender. And I know a lot of people feel, BK, it's, well, there's no World Series aspirations. It's make the playoffs and let what happened happen. That's where I get a little concerned. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Uh, my my issue is similar path, but a little bit different. And we talked about this previously. We were talking about this during the break with the Seth Jones contract that the Chicago Blackhawks just yeah. gave out. The Athletic put that as one of their three worst contracts in the in the sport right now for the NHL. They, they just ranked them all today. By the way, the Blues do not have anybody on that yeah. list. They have an honorable mention in Who? Justin Falk. Oh, come on. They do not have a contract this year among the top 10 worst contracts in the sport. The problem for the Cardinals in recent years is that they were giving star level deals to players who aren't stars past their prime yeah. and they were refusing. They had an absolute outright refusal of going more than like six years with the player. That term is something that just completely eliminates the Cardinals as a contender for these contracts. If that remains the case, they're not getting one of these shortstops. These shortstops, Seager, Story, Baez, Correa, whoever you want, whatever your uh, personal preference is, they're getting seven or more years. They are. So if you aren't willing to do that, if you're not willing to give them 25-ish plus million dollars for seven plus years, well, then you're not actually interested in this shortstop market. And that's something that I just wholeheartedly disagree with because these players are different. They're reaching free agency in their mid-20s. you got a guy like Carlos Correa. He's going to be like 27 years old when he hits free agency. 
So the back end of that deal, even if you gave him 10 years, the back end of that deal is the same as the five-year deal you gave to Dexter Fowler. But here's the key difference. At the front end of that contract, you're getting prime years. You're getting the best part, potentially, of Carlos Correa's career. So, yeah, you're still paying for the downside. The risk on the back end is still the same as it was with Dexter Fowler. But the front end of the deal, the upside is so much higher. It's exponentially better. And that's where I've just fundamentally disagreed with the way that the Cardinals process some of this stuff. They refuse, outright refuse, to go into these seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year deals. And they can be problematic. Absolutely. I understand that. But if you're getting a star-level player that you have the utmost confidence will continue to be that, I felt this way about Bryce Harper, for example. I thought they should have been in on that deal. Felt like that with Price and Scherzer, too. And I know I, the price thing hasn't worked out, but at the time when he signed, you had a couple of prime with years. Pitchers with the with the long-term deals, but I hear you. Um, these are the types of stars that I would go out there and acquire. I, I would not do it with Javi Baez, but if you wanted to do it with Seager, Story, or Correa, those are the types of guys that I would be willing to bite that bullet for because it's worth it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that's, that is where my hang-up comes in, is I don't know if that's Mo, I don't know if that's DeWitt, and I understand the conservative nature of not wanting to do a deal that long, but I want to give him another opportunity because these are legit stars that are about to be available out there, and there's multiple of them. And if they're if they're willing to go to that length, in the contract, I I think that they might be able to acquire one of those guys. I don't think you can have the conversation without the other one. Like you can't talk about Mo and say, well, it's Mo without ownership because they're they're two in the same. Like Mo is taking all of his construction of the roster from Bill DeWitt, whether it's not spending money, whether it's wanting to stick with the same mentality. So you're right. And I do think if people are going to complain about Mo, you have to talk about the ownership in full when it comes to how they're moving forward with the construction of the roster. Somebody from the 314 says, guys, paying for old Goldschmidt, Arenado, and a shortstop for bad production sounds completely miserable. This is part of the downside of it. Like, Paul Goldschmidt is a very good player still. He is not Paul Goldschmidt of his age 27 season. It's not what you paid for. You, you knew what you were getting when you're paying for the backside of a career. And that's that's part of this. But Paul Goldschmidt is still very good. And now if you can add in a prime-level uh, shortstop, that, that's what you're hoping for. All right, let's go to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Let's start out by hearing from Brian. I have absolutely zero confidence in John Mozeliak doing anything with the Cardinals at all, period, end of discussion. He has been living on his dream of building the World Series team in 2011, which for the most part was Walt Jockety's doing to begin with. When it comes right down to it, he will say that the Cardinals were just a couple hundred thousand dollars short of getting people. This is the same thing that he has been saying since he took over for Walt Jockety. So a couple of things with this. I don't have 0% faith that nothing gets happened because I do think John Mozella can make moves. And the 2011 thing, look, people still stick to the fact that, oh, yeah, that was Walt Jockety's team. As much as you want to go with that, I mean, Matt Holiday was a big piece of that 2011 team. Sure. And John Mozeliak was the one that acquired Matt Holiday in that trade. John Mozeliak was the one that acquired Octavio Dotel and Mark Zipchinski at the trade deadline for that team. Mo has fingerprints on fingerprints on a roster just as much as Walt Jockety does for a championship team in 2011. 
for the money side of things where, yeah, they'll say that they were a couple thousand dollars short. Nobody knows what goes on in that room. But I will say when it comes to the free agency, on top of us sitting here saying, well, they don't want to pay the money. You also have to take into consideration, does the player want to come here? Because we've heard John Carlos Stanton talk about not wanting to go there. We've heard Manny Machado mention that. I mean, there have been multiple players that the Cardinals have checked in on that have said, no, we don't want to go there. That's the other side of this. Whereas if you're going to blame Mo, there are other factors that go into pointing fingers and blaming. Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop. Uh, Let's hear from CJ on whether or not he has faith that this Cardinals front office will get it done what it needs to this offseason. Yeah, I have the faith in Mo to get a big, you know, shortstop free agent signing done. You know, I don't. I don't really see any reason to doubt him. He's he's made some pretty major moves for big time players. Been able to bring some pretty big names and um, you know, big salary players over. I think that if you're somebody that believes that Mo will get this done in the off season, you're probably like me, pointing back to Jason Hayward, Matt Holiday, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, um, and then Marcelo Zuna. That's five names that I can rattle off over the course of really the last, what, 11 years now? Yeah. That's a pretty good track record, man. And I know that the thing that is sticky with this, those are all trades. And then some of them ended up resigning, but they're all trades that brought them here. Mm -hmm. The thing that is tough about this to have faith is the free agent side. The Cardinals, I, I can't remember. I'll have to look this up. When was the last time they went out into the market and won a bidding war for a guy that was hundred million plus. Wasn't Fowler hundred million plus? I think he was like eighty five. What about Leak? Leak wasn't a hundred million. I think he was plus. right around that same area too. It, yeah. It, I, don't, I don't know if he's ever done that. I don't know that it has happened for the Cardinals. Um, I'd have to look into it. Maybe I'm misremembering. There is a player that should come to mind that hasn't. But that is the thing that I still. That is where my hesitation comes in. Are they willing to do that? Because that would be complete. That would be that. Remember that puke point that we talked about? That's where that's at for the Cardinals. They don't like winning auctions, whether that be in free agency or via trade at the deadline. That is the thing this Cardinals front office does not like doing. Are they willing to go there? Are they willing to go all in on what could be a championship window for them? I don't know. I believe they will because I think that they are still a front office that's willing to do it. But. We just haven't seen it done before. So that's that's the thing that still gives me a little bit of a hang-up about the Cardinals going out there and making that big move this offseason, not just via trade, but in free agency. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, Robert Thomas was the talk of this town la- this time last year. What are the expectations for him in 2021? I feel like our, all, our conversations were all dictated towards, well, who's he going to be traded for? Now it appears he won't be. What are the expectations for him? We'll talk about that in about 15 minutes. More likely to happen coming up next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line for more likely to happen. You give us two scenarios, we will tell you which one's more likely. But we're starting things out with a little bit of an audible today. Tanner, what? what do you have for us, my man? So I came up with this one last night because we we're talking about the shortstop market. What's more likely to happen that the Cardinals will go spend and get into that bidding war on the shortstop market and sign one of those guys to like the contract we're talking about, seven years, twenty five to thirty million a year, or more likely that they miss 
or they don't go to the shortstop market, but go to the second base market and overpay for a Chris Taylor about four years, $64 million. Yes, sir. Maybe you go give him four years, $64 million. Now, I say that because you're probably going to have to try and overpay what mm. the Dodgers are going to offer him. You think Chris Taylor's going to leave the Dodgers? Nope. <laughs> but Chris Taylor ain't leaving the Dodgers. Chris Taylor's very good. Well, I for know. the right amount of dough, he'll leave the Dodgers. No, Chris Taylor ain't leaving the Dodgers. Man, that's an interesting one. You know who might leave the Dodgers? That could be interesting if you're Trey talking. Trey Turner? Uh, you got the right last name. Justin? Oh, God. Are we back to this one already? He can't play third base Grandpa for the Dynamite? But what if he came to the Cardinals as a DH next year? Got the DH coming to the National League. He'd be interesting. (laughs) Again, I'll say this. Anybody who's on the Dodgers, you think they're going to leave the Dodgers? Probably not, (laughs) but they might have his replacement in Trey Turner. I don't know what their plan is. Trey Turner's Corey Seager's replacement. No, I think what's going to happen is Seager's going to resign. No way. (laughs) It might be both. Corey Seager's not going back there. Yeah. Corey Seager's going to go get paid on the market. Yeah, he I will. Don't, I don't know who, but they've got LA. a lot of free agents. Whoever they end up resigning, they've just got gonna, a lot of guys. He's just going to wait. Whoever, whoever falls off the wagon from the yeah. Dodgers, uh, it, I'm going to say more likely that they're in on the shortstop market because wow. after after Chris Taylor, if you're going to pay him to play second base, who other second basemen are out there? Like our guy Scoopsy Potatoes is gone. Yeah, There wasn't a lot. There's no there. other second baseman out there. So I, I, I'd say the shortstop. Frankly, I think it's more likely that they don't do either. But I'd say shortstop because Chris Taylor ain't leaving and there's no other second base. See, I think it's more likely because that Plus you, go you to have the a second, second base. baseman and Gorman. Yeah, but you can move Taylor Millsy, around too. Millsy's a free agent after this year. He'd a bench bat. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. yeah well, I didn't consider him a second baseman though. But uh-huh. didn't consider him a shortstop either. He would be DH. a DH. Yeah. And a bench go. bat. There's your lefty. Yeah. I, I think Man, it, I the second think it would base be... options are not inspiring. Josh Harrison. Josh Harrison's a free agent. Look, they didn't trade for him for like a million dollars. What do you think he they're going to sign him? In a package. That's unfair. <laughs> Cardinals couldn't get that package done, could they? No, apparently not. But now he's with Oakland, and I'm sure he's going to be fantastic for them this year. Um, I think it's more likely they go the shortstop route. I agree with Alex. But Chris Taylor is an interesting option. That's a very Cardinals option. Yeah. And if you if you sign him, and I understand your argument of you've got Gorman coming up, you could play Gorman at DH if you had Taylor, or if you want a really good little tinfoil thing, uh, Taylor is multi-versatile. Play him in the outfield. Move on from one of your outfielders in a package to go get somebody. Can we talk about this for a second? Oh, you didn't like that idea? No, because you're saying get rid of Bader, and he doesn't like I that. didn't say Bader. You I know said better an outfielder. Yeah. No, you know Bader than well, that. Well, I know it's one of two guys. It's either Tyler O'Neill or Bader. And this it ain't team Tyler is, O'Neal. This team has said publicly you can pry Dylan Carlson from my cold, dead yeah, hands. Yeah, him. He, he ain't going anywhere. He's um, probably talking about Austin Dean. More likely to happen, the Cardinals trade Paul DeYoung or one of their young outfielders this offseason. Oh, that's a good one. Um... I think it's going to be one of the outf- – if I had to do one of those, I'd say the outfielders. And really? the reason I say that is because they have value, and you could put them in a trade package to whether it be get a better bat or get a quality starting pitcher. I know Robert Murray, he's not reporting this, but he's mentioned before Shane Bieber's a guy that maybe the yeah. Cardinals wouldn't have He mentioned have that interest. again to us. I'm like, damn it, Robert, come on, man. That's not an option for this team. If you included a Tyler O'Neill in a package to go get a quality starting pitcher, yeah, I think it's more like because I don't think DeYoung's value is going to be very high. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to do... Why do we want to trade one of these outfielders? Who's coming well, up? I didn't that's what I was, that's what I was going to say. You're I more likely understand. to trade Paul DeYoung because who's your outfielder? Who's the next guy? Are you playing Lars Newpar every day? 
Yeah. I, oh, get out of here. You have finally solved your yeah. outfield problem, and now we're like, Look, you I, gotta, I heard BT say this the other day, and he wasn't suggesting that they should. He he. The, the premise was, what's the creativity? What's the creative route to improving your roster? I get it, and we can explore all options, right? Just not that one. They finally fixed their outfield puzzle. It's final. Like we've got all of the pieces in place. It's ready to go. You all you need is the backup outfielder now, a lefty bat coming off of the bench in the outfield. I do not want to change that. I feel very good defensively, offensively, all around. Base running, speed. It's it's got every in their young, cheap, cost controlled. You got perfect role players in your outfield in terms of where they perform in your batting order, like. Tyler O'Neill's a five-hole hitter. Dylan Carlson's a top two hitter. And Harrison Bader is a perfect person to round out your bottom two. Absolutely. You don't need to make a trade with those guys. I mean, I I know there's not a lot of trade value for Paul DeYoung. The base percentages on this team are in the outfield. Didn't you guys say that the the war projection for Tyler O'Neill is right around what it was going to be for Ronald Acuna Jr.? He's at 3.6 already so far this year. That's a very good season if it stops today and he didn't play another game. And he's still got, what? 50 games to go? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... yeah. I hope, and I hope the fast lane's not listening, but he's in the lineup today. Don't say that. What are you doing, man? Can't believe you just said they that. They get angry at it's us. Bad. They call us asshats when we steal their game. I didn't, I didn't say everybody. I, I think it's more likely that it's Paul DeYoung traded, because I just... You. You're where you're at now, and I know people don't feel like there's trade value in Paul DeYoung, but I do think there would be a team that says, you know what, we'll take it. And I want to make it clear. I'm not saying trade one of the no, outfielders. that's what you said. In this scenario, I think said. it's more likely because I just don't think Mo's going to – he's going to do the Army approach with Vladdy. It's not – well, I'm not just going to give him up to give him up because we need a starting shortstop. No, I'm going to hold firm, and I'm going to say, here's what I want. To me, DeYoung's value is not there, so they're just going to hold on to him, so then it would be more likely that they trade one of the two outfielders. That makes sense. I, I totally get the logic, but I would – I, st- I, I actually do think Paul DeYoung still has value because of his contract. I think that contract is valuable. And because someone's looking at it saying he just needs to change the scenery, we put him in our lineup, he's probably hitting 20 bombs, 25 bombs for us. So I'm stealing this from Get Up. I want to have full disclosure there. Most likely to win a Super Bowl this year. Most likely to win a Super Bowl this year. Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, or Lamar Jackson? Josh Allen. I said it yesterday that I think within the next five years... He wins. He goes to one and he wins another. I think I think this year or next year is going to be the year for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. It just seems like everything's working out in their favor. I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to have a superb season. I think he's going to have an okay season with Cleveland, and I'm still out on Lamar, and I know people think I'm crazy. So I'd say Josh Allen's more likely there because I think this is Buffalo's year. Yeah, I'm with you because I'm still out on Lamar. I think Baker's just going to have one of those good years and then he's going to get paid and you're going to, in the future, look at that contract and go, oh, what were they doing? That's a terrible contract for Baker Mayfield. I I think it's Josh Allen. I I think he's closer than we think. It's going to be tough, though, with Patrick Mahomes, but I'm with Alex. I think it's more likely he would win it this year than those other two. I'm with you guys on Josh Allen. Who would you have number two on this list? Probably say baker because i feel like that's more of a well-rounded team and i told you last week that get up was talking about and they said that cleveland's cleveland's the perfect team that can win a super bowl with or without baker mayfield because their roster is so stacked if they stay healthy defensively i think that's going to be the best defense in the afc so i I, i'd say baker probably second i think that's what i would do too I would too. And I it's wild how far we people have fallen on Lamar Jackson. It's not so much Lamar, it's just one the team around him and two I just don't know with Harbaugh. You know, like Oh, I, I like Harbaugh. I do but... too, but I don't know if I like him with this system of Lamar Jackson. 
But yeah. I, I also think it's the team around it because they just I'm with it you. feels a little like the Green Bay Packers scenario where it's like they have pieces, but they're not going out there and selling out for the major piece to kind of set them up. They're not doing what Buffalo did with Stephon Diggs, if that makes sense. Yeah, they're, they're missing the the piece that unlocks yeah. his full potential. I'm with you on that. I, I think they tried to do that this offseason. They added in a bunch of talent at the receiver position. Um, but I, I think that I'm with you guys. I, I think it would go. Josh Allen one, Baker two, Lamar three for me. If you had told us that though two years ago, yeah, none of us would have no. believed the uh, end. Are that. you guys sold on him as a passer? That's my thing. Lamar, I'm, yeah, I'm not sold on him as a passer. That's why, because like you can add all I the wide receivers. I feel like I'm too critical on him there because I feel like his passing's critique. But think about his first year. I mean, he had one guy to throw to. You know, yeah. I, I think it's. I think he's fine as a passer. I do not think he's in the same caliber as Josh Allen by any stretch. Baker's the one that I have the biggest questions about. But like you said, Alex, I also think he has the best team. I think he has the best team around him. So it's going to be interesting to see. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to dive into the junk drawer. Coming up next, though, Robert Thomas last year this time. We're talking about him as a potential superstar. Where are we at on the expectations going into 2021? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Thomas, we talked about him all last offseason. What's he going to be? When's he going to turn into this star that we've been waiting for? You know what? It wasn't just us. It was also his head coach, Craig Berube. He joined us on, at the time, Rivs and BK. Of course, now I've got my name at the beginning of the show. At the time, yeah, Somebody call one. it the better of the two okay, shows when it was Rivs and BK. That's a weird flex. No, not really. It's BK. He flexes that all the time. Okay. We talked to oh, Craig Berube on Rivs and BK, and here's what he had to say about his expectations. This is a year ago for Robert Thomas. We got him at center ice now where that's his natural position. He, he's really... He's done a good job of understanding the responsibilities to to play that position, uh, not not only offensively but defensively. Um, so, Tomer, for me, um, looking you know in the future, like there's a there's a good possibility you know you could be you could see a star one day. Uh, he has the ability to be a star. Now, whether he gets there or not, that's that's a lot has to do with him and certain things that go into it, but. He definitely has the brains and the ability to be one. It didn't go as expected last year, obviously. A lot of that was injury-related. He finished the season playing just 33 games. He had 12 points in those 33 games. He was a plus one on the year. Didn't shoot enough. We made note of that. A lot of things that went into the issues for him. Alex, what are the realistic expectations for Robert Thomas going into next offseason? Because I feel like most of our attention was on Okay, where's he going to go? What's the trade that he's going to be included in to get that next star for the Blues? And now that we've kind of um, emerged on the other side of this offseason, it looks like Robert Thomas is going to be a Blue once he signs his contract. What are the expectations for him this year in a no? I think best case scenario for Robert Thomas, he's your second line center. I think that's what the realistic expectations are for him. I just don't know if he has the number one center potential for the Blues. He's 22 years old, so it can always change as you move forward. But if you just kind of look at where he's at usually, I mean, he he could on a good season put up Braden Chen numbers. But you got to play a different style of hockey if you're going to be successful with this team. And maybe they're trying to insert a little bit more speed into their game. But if you're a centerman, 
under Craig Berube, you got to start shooting the puck more. I mean, look at Ryan O'Reilly. Look at Braden Shen. Heck, look at Ivan Barbashev and and Oscar Sundquist when they play in those positions. When they have the opportunity, they shoot the puck. And if you look at Robert Thomas's numbers last season, and I know he only played 33 season or 33 games um, due to injuries, but he only had 22 shots on goal in those 33 games. Tyler Bozak played two games less than him and had 13 more shots on goal he than the him. Same number of shots last year as Nico Mikula. That's not good for a centerman. And frankly, that's why I know a lot of people have looked at him and say, well, he could play the wing for you. He could. But your wingers need to shoot, and Robert Thomas just doesn't have that mindset. I don't see him as a second-line center this season because, frankly, Shannon O'Reilly have played much better than him, and those two play the position much better. But top-peak performance, what I think he could get to is I think he can be your second-line center because he can match. He's he's working under Ryan O'Reilly. He sees how important the defensive side of the game is. He's a two-way forward. He can play defense. But I don't know if it's ever going to get higher than a second-line center for you. It's so interesting, man. We talked about this with – you you mentioned with Lamar Jackson. You don't know that we've seen his peak yet uh, as a passer because of his weapons, right? I almost feel the same way with Robert Thomas and that I feel like we've kind of seen him – we always – talk about how he needs to be with somebody that is defensively responsible, right? And so that in the past meant like Tyler Bozak would be one of his wingers and maybe he would take some of the face-offs for him, stuff like that. And you'd have another guy that was defensively responsible next to him. Maybe that would be Sonny. And so you never really had those dynamic goal-scoring threats next to him as a result. And I totally get that because Robert Thomas is not some great defender. So I understand why they decided to do it that way. I almost wonder if you're not going to be able to to see Robert Thomas's full potential until he ends up in the top six, because those guys that he's playing with, whether it be David Perron or Brandon Saad or Buchnevich or Kairou, I think those players have the talent to be able to utilize Robert Thomas's full capabilities. I don't know if you're going to see that on the third line. And so that's why I'm curious to see what they decide to do with him this year. If they have him on the third line, Who are his line mates? Because I think that's going to go a long way in instructing what he's able to accomplish this year as a distributor. If you have Clem Costin on one side and Oscar Sundquist on the other, I think that line has the potential to be pretty good, solid. I don't know that you're going to see some explosive goal scoring from it, though. So I think you might, at the end of the year, look at Robert Thomas's numbers, his game, be like, yeah, he took a step forward. Still a little underwhelmed relative to what the expectations were a year ago, though. So I I don't know how you fix that. Maybe you do drop Jordan Kyrou down to that third line, and that's the way that you make it work with a little bit more dynamism next to him. But that's my biggest concern is that I don't know that you're going to see Robert Thomas's full potential until you get him into the top six, and you can't really afford to put him into the top six right now. Because O'Reilly and Shen are just better than him. Well, and that's the thing. And look, you're not getting the best out of Shen if you move him to the wing. And that's what you've seen these last couple of years. And someone on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, they texted and said he hasn't had his potential because they don't give him the proper ice time. There's an argument to be made there. I mean, in 1920, where he played 66 games, he only averaged about 14 minutes and 33 seconds. But Craig Bruby runs his team to the point of if you're performing well, you get more ice time. If you're not, you're not going to. And it's not because of the line that you're on. It's because of how you're performing on the ice. I mean, look at the fourth line during the playoffs. They played pretty much the same amount of ice time as the second line did because of how good they were in certain scenarios. This season, without Tarasenko, if he's not on this team, which we're all under the assumption, and now without Jaden Schwartz and Mike Hoffman, if Robert Thomas is healthy, he's going to be playing the power play. 
probably going to be on the second power play unit with some other top performers. Your third line, I don't know kind of what that's going to look like because I can see Kostin playing there with him. I can see Barbashev. I can see Sunquist. They might bring Bozak back. There's a lot of scenarios that can play there. But you look at Sanford Sanford as well, and I know people don't like the sound of that, but look, Sanford's a net front presence. Craig Berube constructs his lines. We've talked about this. You got a centerman who can make the plays open up space. You got the shooter on one side, and you have a net front presence. Depends on who that's going to be with him. But Robert Thomas has to be the player who can open up space and also threaten the goaltender to shoot the puck. Because if you're only taking 33 shots, 22 shots in 33 games, the goaltender knows exactly what you're going to do. When you become a guy, exactly. When you become a guy like Ryan O'Reilly with 118 shots on net in a season or 138 from Braden Shen. The goalie's always wondering, are you going to shoot it or are you going to pass it? That's where you get to take that next step. So that's on Robert Thomas. Yeah, I, I think if he could have a season, if he could get back to basically where he was in the 2019-2020 season when he had 10 goals, 32 assists at 42 points in 66 games. If you could have that type of a year again to bounce back from what was a, a disappointing season last year, I think that's kind of what you're hoping for this year for him, for the Blues. If he can be that, I'd feel pretty good about it. You're hoping for more, of course. If he could get to like 15 goals, maybe 50 points this year. I think that's what you need him to get to. That'd be great. But at least get it back to where it was two years ago. So then moving forward, okay, I think we might have a real top six centerman here. Maybe it's not a superstar, but he can be a very good player that helps us or is a centerpiece of a package to get us what we need that fits a little bit better. Um, I, th- I think that's what you're hoping for from Robert Thomas in 2021. Yeah. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, the Fastlane said something that I thought was maybe one of their best segments in weeks yesterday. Wow, he takes shots. Yeah, geez. It was a very good segment. Are we grading the current Cardinals based on all-time greats? Talk about that in about 15 minutes or so, but coming up next, we'll dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Troy, let's start out with Tanner. What do you have for us today, my man? All right, guys. So I just got a new phone. And, you know, you got to buy the Would phone you, case and all this. Did you this. upgrade from your flip phone? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I figured, you know, those were so, like, 1960s. So I got a new phone, and I went to Best Buy. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a new phone case. So I buy a new phone case. I go to put the phone in it. Wrong phone case. So I go back to Best Buy, and I, I'm like, okay, I exchange it. I'm like, Oh, I don't have iPhone. I think it was 11 Pro, whatever. I just had iPhone 11. So I go, I buy the one that says iPhone 11. The stupid thing still doesn't fit. I've been there twice, and I got to go back again today, and I feel like an idiot. You know what that means? I need the Best Buy guy. No, you're not smart enough to have that type of phone. I've done that with the charger, where I get the wrong charger before. Oh, that's because they change the charger on you like every other year. Yeah, not multiple times. Can honestly say I've never done that. Um, But I've (laughs) got whether it be Best Buy, Walmart, whatever, getting them on Amazon where you buy the wrong one that doesn't actually fit your specific phone. Mm -hmm. I've done that before. I don't think I've ever done it with a uh, case, but I've definitely done it. I've done it. I haven't bought it, but I've done it before with the headphone because, you know, there was the circle headphones and then the square headphones with the iPhones. I've done that where like I'll go 
I don't know, out somewhere and I bring the wrong headphone set with you. And there's nothing more frustrating if you don't have that attachment so you can't listen. So that's why I upgraded to Bluetooth. And so, like, I feel like an idiot for two reasons here. One, this would be the third time and I'm sure they'll see me and be like, Jesus, guy, what is he doing? Reasons? And second is like, you walk in and the phone cases are right there and I, they'll say, oh, I need some help. I need to find a phone yeah, case. Did you what do you got? Think of asking iPhone somebody? 11? Well, they're right here. But that says iPhone 11 on the box, and it doesn't fit the iPhone 11. Why don't you open up one of the boxes and try it out and then buy another one? Can you do I don't that? I think you're supposed to do that. You're also not supposed to eat food at the grocery store, but I do that also. Still pay for it. Look, just, I, like, don't, you I don't think you, enjoy you do. I don't think it's I've great to admit before. to committing a crime. It's not a crime. I still pay for it. <laughs> I'm still going to pay for the phone. I'll take the phone case up like there and say, hey. Belly or something? No. No, you don't scan the belly. You tell them, I just, hey, I bought this and I ate it. Hey, see this banana peel right here? Yeah, I ate this. <laughs> I had a little snack while I was. No, but what I'm cool? saying is, you're hungry. Somebody's probably done this. Somebody's done this before where, like, you open up the box to see if it actually works and then you take the box up to them and say, hey, I opened this because I wanted to make sure this works correctly. Just wanted to let you know. And they'll charge you for it they'll put it back in the box i think the tough part is like if it didn't work and you put it back into the box and it's like all torn up and ripped apart well, now now you screwed it don't open the box like an animal and okay. you won't have that problem we've got to the bottom line of the issue yeah learn how to open up a box properly T-Bone. this is different but so my fiance kara um she has become quite the amazon shopper during this pandemic and instead of going and trying on clothes, she has decided, I'm just going to buy all of the clothes on Amazon. Uh, bad idea, I'll Kara. I'll try them on whenever they get to us. And then you got to return it. And then there's just like a million things. We have all of these boxes that are sitting around. She's like, I got to return that. Don't mess with that. Don't. Kara, why do I, every day when I get home, there is a new box at the front step. Oh, oh. Just wait. Something. Just wait till you have a kid. Buying boxes every day when you get home. What's this? Oh, it's a new oil for it. <laughs> Son of a. <laughs> and all of it's on my account, so it has my name on it. So I'm opening these boxes like, oh, what I get today? People at Amazon no. are like, BK ordered a dress. <laughs> BK ordered a crop top. Just, just a new swimsuit. Does, you, does your wife do that? What's Same that? thing? Where no, she, she doesn't like... My wife is notorious for just not buying new clothes. Like, okay. I have to force her to go like, hey, why don't we go get some new clothes? Because all of our shorts have, like, holes in them. So she, like, refuses to do it because she's like, well, they still fit. I don't really care. You'll understand this one of these days when your Tinder date actually works out, Tanner. Probably never. It, well, you didn't have to bring that up. <laughs> probably never with okay. this one. Somebody said, and your mailman hates you. That's probably true. Probably. We also have a, a demon dog that's all of seven pounds and hates our mailman as is well. Is that your dog? Yeah. Makes so sense. she, I, I totally understand if our mailman Tanner's the, the type of guy to show up to a bar in Velcro Skechers trying to get girls to put their numbers into his Nokia brick. <laughs> also asked if T-Bone asks his grandparents to set up the phone for him. No, I got that part. Down. Are you sure you got that yeah, one down? Yeah, the whole phone is set up. It's just a matter of getting a stupid case. Well, BK, because you are a Guinness World Record holder from the Capri Sun we think. incident. Well, I was. I think it's been broken. Yeah, it broke a couple of times. You know, we love talking Guinness World Records to see if mm-hmm. we can break them here on BK and Ferrario. I have a new one, boys. Wait, Eric, is this better than the last one? Is this one? a real one? The last one you were like having us be naked or something crazy. I don't think I've ever I asked think, you to be naked, Tanner. Pretty sure the last one was the wall sits, right? That right? was the wall sits. No, where I don't was, think so. I think there was another one. I don't think it was. That's weird. I don't think I've ever asked you to be naked. That may like have that. actually been true. Eric Badlands Booker. He is a YouTube channel man. He's called Badlands Chugs. He has now set the world record for drinking a two liter bottle of soda 
the fastest. Oh, nope. I don't 18. drink soda. 18.45. Oh, look at this guy. Ooh, I don't drink soda. I'm a health guy. I just don't enjoy it. It has nothing to do with the health thing. I it, know you drink soda. It would not go well for me if I tried to do this. 18.45 seconds. That's I don't know if that's... I don't think that's physically possible. That is way more impressive than what I did with the Capri Sun. Yeah, you're talking carbonation in this yeah. thing. That's the thing. I don't know if I can do it. If it was flat, flat, maybe. Now, see, if it was flat, I probably could, too. Do you know what it was? It's a dark soda. I don't think they said what it was. Sugar-free cola is what it was. My Uh, God. Poured it into a measuring cup so you could get the correct measure of it, but 18.45 seconds. That's unbelievable. He's ranked 23rd in Major League Eating and is considered taking on a solid food challenge for the next record. Well, hey, I'm impressed. If, If it was flat soda... Probably. I couldn't do it if it was carbonation. No, no chance. No, no, no way you could do the carbonation. No chance in hell I could do anything like this. You would like, feel like you have to explode after 18 seconds for a two liter? Could you no. do 18 seconds with uh, water? No. No. What about I milk? couldn't drink. Ugh, no. no. Eight, a two liter of anything in 18 Ugh. seconds is unbelievable. I no, think we no should try chance. it. I think we should try it. Yeah, we try with water. See who yeah, does it Let's fastest. see if we can do water. Yeah, the three let's of see, us, see who the, could drink water the fastest. Which one of us three is the best professional eater? Mm, I don't know. I've never seen you guys eat. I don't know. Well, you guess my, guess is, every day. my guess would be me because I have seven missing teeth, so I could fit a lot more food <laughs> on that side of my face. That would just be my guess if you're going to put some this odds is, on this. That's 67 ounces, man. 67 ounces. He chugs it too. Watch the video. Go check it out online. Oh my god. He chugs the video. Can you tell, can you tell video. if it's carbonated? No, it's, it's sugar free, but uh, you can't tell well, if it's carbonated. You mean, can't tell if it's, it's carbonated. Be. It yeah. has to be. I mean, I don't think you would let the soda sit for a while. Like, I think the record would have to be if you're drinking soda, it's carbonated soda. That's unbelievable. Well, Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll give away a uh, four pack of tickets to next Tuesday's Budweiser Bash. You can't get these tickets anywhere else. It is completely out so be sure to tune in coming up here in about 15 minutes or so for your chance to win a four pack of tickets to Budweiser Bash next Tuesday coming up next I think that we might be grading the Cardinals on an all-time great scale we'll allow the fast lane to explain next on 101 ESPN this is the BK and Ferrario podcast now here's BK and Ferrario Lane each and every weekday from 2 to 6 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. They've got some great segments tomorrow might have, or yesterday rather, might have been one of their best. You tomorrow forgot. might be their best. You, you don't know. Also could be. Who knows? You forgot part of the Fastlane description. By the way, excuse me, take two. The award winning Fastlane each weekday from 2 to 6 o'clock. By the way, first place. Huge congratulations to them. Definitely. Super well-deserved. Uh, they are the, um, what was the technical award that they won? It was best on-air talent. Not, not named, not morning show, because morning show is in a different category. Best on-air talent. Um, huge congratulations to them. They are incredibly well-deserving. Three of the best dudes, four of the best dudes you'll ever meet. Um, huge, huge congrats to them. Yeah. So yesterday, they had an interesting segment about why we view these current Cardinals the way that we do. And I'll allow them to explain it to you. Here's what the fast lane had to say about grading on the Albert curve. Paul Goldschmidt, right? Nolan Arnato, like, you know, great players and all. Oh, you're going back to that, huh? Were we expecting <laughs> were we expecting Albert? And then since we haven't gotten Albert, it's just been kind of downhill. 
Uh, that's actually a really good question. Expectations, Anthony. perception, things like that. Uh, are you saying that uh, we are grading on an Albert scale? Uh, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. The grade I on. feel like that would be unfair almost, Anthony. That's a tough scale. <laughs> Albert Pujols is one of the greatest hitters we've ever seen. Full stop. Forget in St. Louis anywhere. And so when you have a guy like Paul Goldschmidt come in, who has been a very good hitter, an elite hitter, frankly, for the vast majority of his career, and then he comes to St. Louis and he's merely a very good hitter, I think that is where we have a little bit of room to be left desired. Nolan Arenado was a legit elite level hitter, future Hall of Famer. He comes to St. Louis and he's very good, 20% above league average so far this year. I think for some people, I don't know that this is everybody, but for some people, they're like, you know, I I thought there would be a little bit more there. I think there's something to what the fast lane said, and they brought it up with the pitchers as well, right? You look at what Chris Carpenter and Bob Gibson and Adam Wainwright were as aces for the staff, and now we kind of judge Jack Flaherty based on that. You look at what Jim Edmonds was as a center fielder. Well, why isn't Harrison Bader that? I think there's something to what they're saying, and whether it be fair or unfair, it doesn't much matter. I think we do this in every sport. I think for the Blues, if you have an all-time great goal scorer that is coming up through the system, the natural reaction is going to be, well, he's not Brett Hull. <laughs> if you have a all-time great big-time defenseman, well, he ain't Chris Pronger. I think the same thing was true or can be true in football, right? When the Rams were here, if you had a great receiver that took the field, well, that's not what it looked like with the greatest show on turf back. Every time it was Sam Bradford, well, he's no Kurt Warner. Yeah. And so this happens regularly and it's not just here in St. Louis, but because St. Louis has such a proud tradition baseball wise, I think it might be a little bit more pronounced here. Who do you think is being hurt by that the most right now, Alex? Or do you believe that there's a player that's being hit by that maybe more so than others right now? I think you said it, Harrison Bader. And T-Bone said this last week with Katie Wu in studio. Harrison Bader has has been put unrealistic expectations on him because they expect it to be Jim Edmonds. And if you're not getting on pace the way that Jim Edmonds was, hitting home runs, playing defense, then you're not the center fielder for the Cardinals. And I mean, think about it. Like before Harrison Bader, the center fielder was Colby Rasmus, right? And everyone's looking at Colby Rasmus going, well, you're not Jim Edmonds. And does everybody do that? No, of course not. Because everyone knows that some of these players are once in a lifetime players. I think some of it subconsciously, too. I don't even necessarily think it's like an overt, well, that guy's not Jim Edmonds. I think it's more of like a, well, my expectations are very high for what a franchise center fielder looks like. Because the Cardinals have put it that way. And it's not the Cardinals doing, it's just the players in the history that they've gone through. And look, we're from the outside market, but I would imagine it's the same way with other organizations, right? Like if you look at the Seattle Mariners, every time you get an outfielder coming up, they're going to say, well, he's not Ken Griffey Jr. You know, like if you go to the Houston Astros with Roger, well, he's not Roger Clemens. So uh, everybody does it, but I think because the Cardinals have had so many Hall of Fame players on their team, the unrealistic expectations are there. But I do think it starts with Albert, and I mean, frankly, Paul Goldschmidt's name comes to mind, right? Because Paul Goldschmidt, we all say he's in decline because he's an older player. His numbers are always kind of comparable to what he is on the back of his baseball card. But you look at it and you say, well, he's not Albert Pujols, and nobody's going to be Albert Pujols. Yeah, he Bader's the one for me that's affected by it most. But yeah, that, that's a good point. It's Goldie, too. I, I think Arnado's, you've mentioned it, BK, Arnado's feeling it a little bit because 
I just feel like fans, A, it just feels like maybe he hasn't lived up to the expectation, which I think shouldn't be viewed that way, or he just hasn't looked like a Scott Rowland offensively at the plate. Maybe that's part of the comp for them. Sure. Flaherty's the one for me, too, is, that is really criticized of this because people seem to think that, oh, he only had one good second half. He's not an ace. He shouldn't have that ace moniker. You look at Jack Flaherty's numbers before he was injured, and if you look at his career, he deserves the ace moniker for this St. Louis Cardinals team. Adam Wainwright gets the ace moniker now. Jack Flaherty's return, he he belongs in that same category. He is an ace for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he should be viewed as that as well. So I think those are the two guys that get hurt by it the most. And I think Bader's probably just another tier above because he, he's hurt by it because the Edmonds. And I think Van Slyke had a great point today on the Dame Max Show with BK. He said organizations always seems to set this precedent of what the player should be. Well, that adds to the pressure. We think of uh, Harrison Bader. He was always deemed to be this great center fielder that was going to come together. He's a great defensive center fielder. He just hasn't put together at the plate, and I don't think that's him. And then we look at guys that are coming up into the future. Avon Herrera has been told to be the next catcher. Well, that's a lot of pressure to replace Yadier Molina. They've already put some big pressure on Jordan Walker when they said he's putting up numbers like Howard Pujols and Oscar Tavares did down at Palm Beach, mm-hmm. low A ball. So we're already seeing them, and it's not they're not trying to. They just want to get the fans excited about what's coming and kind of sell them on it. But then that also turns right back in their face and says, all right, well, Jordan Walker's supposed to be this next great player. That's a lot of pressure for a kid, and he's still three years away. Let me ask you this, BK. Is it the name that goes to it, or is it just the fact that the Cardinals don't have superstars? Because, like, you could say it's the Albert Pujols curve, but is it just the fact that they haven't had a superstar since Albert Pujols? Um, I think there's something to that. Yeah. Because uh, think of, they've always had superstars. You know, Mark McGuire was there. You had Ozzie Smith. You had Willie McGee. You had Lou Brock. You had Bob Gibson, Stan Mutual. Like, they've always had the superstar. Yeah. This feels like the first stretch of time that they haven't had that. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely some truth to that. And I think that a lot of Cardinals fans thought that they were getting it with Paul Goldschmidt, thought that they were getting it with Nolan Arenado. Which and in all reality, they have with Nolan Arenado. They definitely do. And he's a future Hall of Famer. And he has basically been, ex, he's lived up to expectations this year. I wouldn't say he's exceeded them, especially offensively. But he's lived up to what you should have expected from him offensively. He's been great. Yeah. Um, but Paul Goldschmidt, I, I would say, has been slightly underwhelming offensively since coming over to the Cardinals last year. He was great. The first year though, a little underwhelming and this year so far a little underwhelming offensively. Um, So I kind of get where Cardinals fans are coming on that one. I actually think this is a very interesting text from the six one eight guys. I'm not grading our current stars on a pool scale. I'm grading them based on the Dodgers scale. That is the current standard and the Cardinals just don't match up to it. I think there, that's almost twofold to me. The Cardinals used to be the Dodgers. 20 years ago, and maybe it's closer to 18 years ago, whatever. The Cardinals were the Dodgers of that era. They had, when when there'd be a star player that becomes available, everybody would say, oh, of course. Of course he's going to the Cardinals. Larry Walker, of course. Mm-hmm. Why, why wouldn't he? Scott Roll, you got him for, for that? Oh, Jim Edmonds, cool, awesome. Like, that... You just kept adding these ancillary pieces that were stars in their own right to a stacked core of players. And then you'd continue having these young guys that would come up through the system as well, whether it be Cardinal Devil Magic or Yadier Molina? This guy? Who is this guy? Why is he now a stud for them? Adam Wainwright, you traded for him while he was in the minors, and now look at this. It kept happening. And that's what's happening right now with the Dodgers. So whether it be 
the Dodgers of today or wishing that the Cardinals were still that of today, I think there's a little bit of that coming in as well for the Cardinals fan base. I'm with you because that's kind of how I've said it too. Like we talked about, you know, what are the Cardinals in their contention? Well, to contend, you have to look at the NLS and you have to look at the Dodgers. And I think that's a great point by the texture is you look at the Dodgers and they have basically every spot. They are, have one of the best players in Major League Baseball. So I, I think that's a great text because we do kind of view it that way because you start to compare Goldie to their first baseman. You start to look at Arnauto. Well, how's he playing to an older guy at Justin Turner at third base? How's Paul Young stacking up with a Corey Seager at shortstop and Trey Turner? Not great, by the way. <laughs> We didn't have to say it. That's the thing is, like, you, you go up and down these lineups, and you we did this before teams. the season, right? And we tried to say, like, okay, how do the Cardinals compare to the Dodgers, to the Padres? And then we would go to that second tier. Okay, now let's compare them to the Braves or the Mets or some of these other teams. And we basically got to the point, or at least I did, and I think you guys were on the same page. It's not even worth talking about the Dodgers in, the po- or the Dodgers in particular. The Cardinals just aren't going to match up one for one with that lineup. You guys look at have you guys looked at what they've done offensively this year? Yeah. I mean, it's absurd. Will Smith, I'll go by OPS plus because it's just an easy number, right? The actor? Not that one. Oh. He he is in LA, but he not, not for the Dodgers. I'm sure he could play. He has a 130 OPS plus. A 100 is league average. Max Muncy's at 160. Chris Taylor's at 135. So is Justin Turner. AJ Pollock's at 145. So is Mookie Betts. Chris Seeger's at 120. Even Albert Pujol, since coming to the Dodgers, is at 110. I mean, it's Trey Turner, 135. Every single player in their starting lineup and multiple backups are above league average at a minimum offensively. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have five guys that are above league average offensively. I mean, there's your difference Mm -hmm. in the problem. How do you close that gap? You don't unless you have a $200 million payroll. And I feel, well, that's the thing, too. It's like you you can compare it to the Dodgers all you want, but those are two completely different markets that you'll never be able to compete with. But as much as it's the players being graded on a scale, that's where I think all of the scrutiny comes towards the front office because you look at the Dodgers' front office and say, well, look at these guys. They're just going out and spending money on players. Why aren't you doing that, Mo? The Padres, they're going spending money. Why aren't you doing that, Mo? You look at those, and that's where the scrutiny comes in a lot bigger, I think, than some of the players because the players are on those scales but that's a product of the environment with the front office and that's where the scrutiny comes in six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service text line final thing on this from the three one four and i think this is interesting as well i compare our so-called superstars numbers to what their career numbers were and they just aren't living up to those numbers and that is what is concerning to me i think there's some truth to that but if you look at what nolan arenado's career numbers are He's basically been there this year. Now, they're different because it's in St. Louis, and so you have to adjust for the ballpark compared to Coors, but he's pretty much lived up to his career numbers. The guy that hasn't is Paul Goldschmidt. And if you look at what Paul Goldschmidt did in his career down in um, in Arizona compared to what he's been so far in St. Louis, it's just it's not the same guy. I think we should have expected that, though. Because if you look at the age curve, where he's at right now compared to what he was when he was down in Arizona, he's 33 years old. We probably should have expected some decline at this point in his career, and it will continue to be this way going into his age 35, 36, so on and so forth. I I think that's part of this. Now, I know we've seen it elsewhere as well, where guys struggled here and then went on to be great elsewhere, but um, for Goldschmidt in particular, I think that's just the aging thing happening. I I don't think that's anything that the Cardinals have done wrong necessarily. Yeah, I I think that's just kind of a guy getting ready to reach his prime in which he can't, 
where I don't want to say he can't perform, but I mean, you're looking at the tail end of the career and he's still, he's still up at the prime. He's just kind of on that phase of kind of the slight decline before he really hits that wall. I, I don't think that's anything the Cardinals did. I think that's just kind of the natural cause of major league baseball, because we see guys go from, I don't know, 30, 33 to 35 is about where that prime kind of cuts off. I don't remember how old Goldie is. Oh, I mean, the prime typically now, post-steroids, like 31 is where it kind of cuts off. Oh, so oh. Goldie's 33. Oh, sorry, So, Goldie. yeah, he's at the back end. Goldie, I tried to give you a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Well, but well you tried. It's 118, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, going to join us coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Coming up next, though, we are going to give away a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash. It is sold out. You can't get these tickets anywhere else. You can get them right here coming up next. If you're texter number six and seven, and you can say what Tanner Hendrickson forgot not once, but twice at Best Buy the other day, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Texter number six and seven will be coming up with us for a potential ticket giveaway next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Hey, there's something pretty cool that we're doing here on 101 ESPN. It's called giving away four pack of tickets to a game that's already sold out. It's a really long name for that. <laughs> 101 ESPN has your chance to win something a, shorter, like a ticket giveaway. Yeah, we're doing that too. A four okay. pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's sold out Budweiser bash Cardinals versus Brewers. It's August 17th. It is exclusively a David freeze bobblehead night. Your winner must be 21 or older tickets our courtesy of Budweiser and 101 ESPN. You can check out more details on the upcoming Budweiser Bash Nights at cardinals.com slash promotions. So yesterday we gave away a four-pack of tickets. Today we're going to do the same thing. And we are doing so, my understanding is that Zach and Jeff, do we still have Zach and Jeff? I don't know, T-Bone hung up Zach. on somebody. All right, so Zach is on the line. We'll potentially have Jeff. We'll see if we've got him or not. But Alex has put together another game. Where Zach and Jeff, they will pick either myself or Tanner Hendrickson. And I don't know the rules of this game, but... Uh, Should I explain the rules before they pick a side so they can they know, even Let's though BK lost yesterday to Tanner? So I'm number one overall pick. So look, we're giving away the Budweiser bash tickets. So I figured beer giveaway for Cardinals games. We're going to do a little beer contest here okay. because of course we know Tanner drinks an awful lot of alcohol. I feel much more confident today than I did You're yesterday. You're a beer enthusiast so what we're doing here and my guy Mike Ryder helped out with this one because I'm not as much of a beer enthusiast as you guys. I drink Rattler and seltzers. That's okay. what I drink. So I got, even beer? I got 10 beers that you need to tell me the state that they are Brooding. Okay, I like this. Cool. Yep. And some of them, some of them are craft beers. Some of them are just good old fashioned beers. Cool. Um, and we have Zach and Jeff. Zach and Jeff Correct. still on the Zach line. Zach and Jeff. Cool. Uh, we'll start out with Zach. Zach, you are first up, man. You could pick either myself, BK, or Tanner Hendrickson. The reigning champ. Who are you going with today? I will go with BK. All right. That's what I'm wow. talking about. No so. support for Tanner after he wins yesterday. I like it, Zach. Well, Throw Tanner up. just hung up on me, so I'm yeah, going. That's fair. I don't blame that's you fair. on that one. Zach is going to back me, and Jeff, That's that means you're with Tanner. Is that cool, all right? Yes. 
Alright, so Jeff, Jeff is going to be with I, Tina. I mean, I hung up with Jeff, too, but he's well, kind of you hung up with them both of them, then. Okay. Alright, so Zach and Jeff. Zach has me. Jeff is with Tanner. Let's start out with number one. Tanner, I'll let you go first. Yeah, well, man. champions go first. I decide that That's on fair. this one, BK. He Ten just wants me to go first, because last time he went second, and then he had the speed walking, which was hard. <laughs> it doesn't matter. These are all... I've, I've, I've put these together correctly. Number one, Tanner. Sam Adams. Boston. What state, man? What oh, Massachusetts. State, man. Sorry. Jesus. All right. All right. Number one. You going to give yourself a ding? You going to go ding here? find my ding. You've been struggling with that one. You can't hail yourself on that one. What a weirdo. Uh, one for one, Tanner. Oh, geez. All right. Number one for BK. Pabst. PBR. I believe that's Milwaukee. So Wisconsin. You would have screwed up on that geography. It would have been phenomenal. Give him the ding. Find your ding, T-Bone. All right. There's one my for ding. one. All right, T-Bone. Perennials. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, he ain't getting this one. No chance. All right. I got a one in 50 shot here. If you didn't know it right up front, yeah, I was there's say, if you don't no know it chance that you know this. This was more from Mike Ryder and I. Perennials. Well, I'm going to say Missouri. Damn. Damn. Did not see that I one did coming. not see you coming <laughs> through on that one. When you said that me and Ryder knew that, I was like, it has to be. Oh, local. yeah, I shouldn't have given that away. My bad, BK. Okay, this not one's right in your ter- This one's right in your territory, though. Flat tire. Oh, fat tire? Sorry, fat tire. I was thinking of you not being able to change <laughs> a flat tire. Fat tire is in Colorado. Flat tire is something that I'm calling AAA for. Yeah, that's very true on both <laughs> of those. Give them double ding on that one, T-Bone. <laughs> double ding. Okay, good. All, All right, right two, for two. two for two here. T-Bone, right back to you. Sienna, Nevada. I'm sorry. Sierra. My, Sierra, Nevada. Nevada. Sorry, I can't read my writing. Sierra, Nevada. Well, it almost feels too good to be true, but I'm going to say Nevada. Give him the buzzer. Mm. Yeah, that's California, baby. That's stupid. Whoop. <laughs> All right. Two, <laughs> two out stupid. of three, Tanner. All what right, do we BK, got next? Stone. Stone is in California. Give him the ding, T-Bone. San Diego. I think what this, this is, is... going to prove is who's got the bigger drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that one tomorrow in this one. All right, T-Bone, Labatt Blue. Blap. No, Labatt, not Blatt. Uh, <laughs> this is a terrible game for T-Bone. Ah, uh, man. That's, uh, I'm going to say Denver. Or, sorry, Colorado. That's not a state. Colorado's a state. Give him the buzzer. Is this <laughs> Canadian here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Toronto. Okay. I, I was, I thought, I was like, a wait state. a second, that's it's not a, a province. State. It's the same thing. Nah, Ask really. Jamie, it's a province. Right. Whatever, T-Bone, right, you're so terrible two at this for one. Four, I'm three terrible out of three. We're feeling one. good about right. this. It's over anyway. BK, you got to get this one wrong, but it doesn't matter. You lost, T-Bone. Schlitz. Schlitz? Mm-hmm. I don't oh, think I've ever heard. Hold on, I think I spelled it wrong again. I don't think I've ever heard of this. Hold on, make sure I No, I spelled it right. Schlitz? I spelled that right. Schlitz. Yeah, I I've right. never heard of that beer before. Okay, good. Uh, we'll go New uh, Maine. New Maine or Old Maine? Maine. Wisconsin, yeah, Milwaukee. Like, okay. Give him the buzz. There we go. All right, Tanner, you're still alive, Tanner, man. Tanner, you're still alive here, I guess. Let's go. All right, Bush. <laughs> okay. Um, um, where's Bush made? I know the beer's very well popular. Oh, wait a minute. Missouri. <laughs> Come on, man. You can't make that face. He wasn't going to get it. We wanted to embarrass First, him I there. Surprised. I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking something completely different. <laughs> I was like, man, that's a Budweiser beer. What are you doing I know. here? I was, I was like, Bush has made All somewhere right, so else. So if I'm not mistaken, BK, you this need this to win, win right? Yeah. Okay. Bells. Oh, no. I'm glad you went second. I think it's Michigan. Give him the ding. 
There we go. That's Look a winner. Look at that, T-Bone. You That's lose a in a beer right in this one. Four out of five. Oh, my God. Retribution for BK, and Tanner doesn't know how to drink. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can I give BK him a little bit more of... more than me. Can I... Can I cop up for Tanner real yeah, quick? Yeah, one of those wasn't even in the country. I don't care. <laughs> you said I didn't say North America. State. I didn't say the U.S. It's you a said state, it's a state. state, not a province. A province is a state. A province is the state in a, Canada. A province is a province and a state is a state. 65780 is your comfort service tax line. I need a ruling. Did Tanner get screwed out of this no, game? No, he didn't. Jeff, because so there's a 0% chance he knew it, and he also got two that are in St. Louis, which I feel like kind of swayed things his direction anyways. However, did he get screwed out of a potential wow. tie in this one by getting Labatt's Blue, which is in Canada, when we were told specifically this no, is going to be one not of 50 states? Specifically, I said, said it's going to be state. a state. That doesn't mean it's specifically St. Alex. You told him you got a 1 in 50 shot of getting this right. Never said that. Check the tape. Never said that. This is unbelievable. Pretty confident he said, I got a 1 in you got a 1 in 50 shot. But that's all right. That's Should've all right. Hey, it was I'm the winner. I'll take it. And congratulations to Zach. Zach, you picked right, man. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. You're going to be going to next Tuesday night's sold-out Bud Bash, a courtesy of Budweiser and 101 ESPN. Stay on the line. We'll make sure to get your contact info, get you all signed up to be able to go to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash. Like we said, if you need more information, cardinals.com slash promotions is where you go. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll cross things over with the fast lane. Coming up next, we'll talk to Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. If you've missed anything so far from today's show, be sure to check out the podcast page. It's all presented by I Promise. We'll cross things over with the fast lane here in about 10 minutes or so. But right now, we go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where we are happy to be joined by the voice of the blues. He is Chris Kerber joining us here on the show. Kerbs, how you doing today, man? Brandon, doing good. How are you? Doing all right. So let's kind of reset where we're at right now, Curbs, because we've kind of made it through the dust of the uh, spending spree of the offseason. A lot of the trades are kind of complete now. How do you view the the Blues relative to the rest of the division? Something we talked about yesterday, but it looks like the rest of the Central got quite a bit better this offseason. You know what? Uh, yeah, the, the Central Division is one... The, the, I think the Blues actually are are, are sitting in a, in a spot where they're in a really good a good spot in terms of this division. You know, uh, Colorado is what it is. I don't know that Colorado got better other than another year of experience, right? I, th- I think they now have some bigger question marks in goal than they had before um, with, with Grubauer, and and I think the losses both of Graves on the back end and Donskoy on on the front end. I think are pretty big impactful uh, for, for when, when those guys really rounded out the depth of that team. So I don't know that Colorado necessarily necessarily got better. I think Chicago has definitely gotten better by being able to get out from underneath the Seabrook contract, by being able to bring in a goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury. And who knows if they're going to get Jonathan Taves back yet. They're still waiting to figure that one. So they're still a team that is in transition. You know Kaprizov is going to eventually get done, or you hope he does if you're a Minnesota Wild fan. We, we saw how they played really well as a team, you know, last year. But I don't know that Nashville and Dallas have necessarily improved themselves all that much either, other than I think that those are still two very good teams 
that will compete for playoff spots. I think the adjustments that the Blues have made, I think getting Brandon Saad in here to go along with Butchnevich, uh, a healthy Colton Pareko, I think is going to be paramount for the Blues. I like where the Blues have been goaltending-wise all along. So I, I think the Blues are still poised to be in a very good spot in the Central Division based on the other moves we've seen. Curb, speaking of Colton Pareko, uh, uh, the, the amount of money that has been handed out to defensemen with contract extensions has just really surprised me. Seth Jones with his $9.5 Zach Rowinski and Darnell Nurse. What, what have you made for the money that's been thrown at these defensemen who in all reality don't look like they're number one guys like some of the others around the league? Yeah, this is, some of this isn't making a whole lot of sense to me because, you know, the reality of it is, is I think once you got out of the first round of the playoffs, um, once again, uh, no, I'm sorry, because uh, Montreal went all the way. So Carey Price was like the only player in the playoffs that was making, you know, that average annual value of $10 million. I think you've seen it be very, very difficult for, for teams to have the depth and quality depth they needed if they're too top-heavy. It's one of the things I think without a doubt that's holding Edmonton back. I think without a doubt it's holding it's holding uh uh Toronto back you know and I mean and even even Vegas you know Las Vegas is one of those kind of teams where they had the the big salary for for Alex Petrangelo right you know but they were able to balance some of the rest of the roster out I'm I'm kind of shocked at some of the prices that we've seen for the defenseman that said Sometimes you've got to play in the same sandbox and we're going to have to see how that plays out for Colton Pareko who just hasn't been uh, you know, j- just just hasn't been healthy enough to know exactly where he's at coming into this year yet. Do you think that he and his agent are looking at that number and saying, okay, that's going to be our platform, or because of his injury this past year and the struggles the last couple of years, it might be a little lower than that? It's an interesting question, Alex, because I think Colton Pareko is going to fall into one of those ranges where the offensive numbers don't at least yet appear to be there where you're looking at, at, at some of those because he's not going to be, at least the way it's been set up, in the Blues' top power play unit. And I think for a defenseman to get to the point where a guy like Carlson or some of those others D-men have been, to, to make money, you, you've, got to, you've got to be in that spot. So, But at the same time, I think there's going to be a situation where these guys, you know, where they're looking at the all-around quality level of defenseman for a guy that – you know, hopefully steps into a role averaging 25 to 26 minutes a game for you. Um, so to me, he, he's going to fall in a slightly different category, uh, I think, than, than some of those other guys because I think he's a better defender than some of the defensemen that have signed those, but maybe not as strong offensively as some of those other defensemen. We're talking to the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Hey, Kerbs, one of the guys that I think has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle, at least in terms of the offseason discussion, is Robert Thomas. This time last year, we're talking about what his potential can be. And I feel like a lot of this offseason has been spent on, okay, is he going to be here next year? Could he be a part of a package deal? Well, he's still here, and it, it looks likely that he will be here for next season. Where do you think realistic expectations should be set for Robert Thomas going into 2021? It's a really good question because I think this team is in better shape depth-wise if Robert Thomas is playing center on your third line. Now, what you'd like to see is him playing good enough hockey to be in your top six but playing on your third line. Then you've had some real threat to your depth, haven't you? So Robert Thomas dealt with too many injuries last season. 
the level of play is not what he would have expected. It's not what the team was hoping for. The team was hoping that he'd come in and be able to take a top six role. That clearly didn't happen. The challenge for me with the Robert Thomas scenario, Brandon, is the best hockey that you've gotten from Braden Shen has been at center. It hasn't been when he's played on the wing. It's It's been at center. Well, you're not going to take Ryan O'Reilly off of his, his that center spot, right? So the question is, is, are you going to put Robert Thomas at center and move Braden Shen to the left? And Doug Armstrong mentioned this when he met with the media. In an ideal situation in his mind, Ryan O'Reilly is your number one center. Robert Thomas could become your number two center. Braden Shen moves to the left, and then your top two left wingers are Butchnevich and Braden Shen, potentially with Saad, right, then, then knocking on that door. All of a sudden, your left wing looks totally different. But again, Braden Shen's best hockey has come when he's played center for the Blues. And Shen hasn't hit the 60-point plateau in the last three years, right? He did with the 70 points his first year with the team, but is in just below that each of the last the last couple of years. So, man, a lot's going to he's – he's a real swing man on, on, on this season because if his, it, you create depth on the left side, if his play is, is level there, if his play isn't quite there, he's still good enough to play the third line. But even based on last year, guys, you need more from Robert Thomas just to play in that third-line center role than we got. And I think his expectations have to start there of just being more consistent – and a better offensively creative player for the Blues. Can I ask you a quick follow-up question to that, Curbs? Because I, I've always thought that Robert Thomas's game, he, he kind of needs dynamic ability next to him on the wings to be able to really utilize his full uh, abilities as a distributor. Who do you think are the wings? Like, if we assume he is going to end up on the third line, which I th- at least right now it seems like a fair assumption, who do you think are the best potential line mates for him to get the most out of him? Look, I think uh, whether it be, you know, if, if he's in a third-line scenario, one winger could be an Oscar Sundquist who's got the potential to score. We don't know what the true ability of a, of a Clem Costin is going to be, right? Is it possible that you find another left winger in the mix, too, and maybe it's a guy like Brandon Saad, okay, who has proven to be a goal scorer? The Blues are going to have some options along those lines with him. But in my opinion, it's still going to come down to Robert Thomas's game is going to have to be a little less predictable to the opposition. A lot of times coming over the blue line, stopping, trying to cut it back up, and it became very predictable and somewhat easy to defend, right? His ability, they, the, the team talked to him about shooting the puck. They wanted to see him shoot the puck more, so people had to defend a shot because he can shoot. They had to defend a shot, uh, which will open up some passing for him. Those are those are the kind of things. But yeah, like any player, in high, the, to your point, and almost a blanket statement, I guess, Brandon is, you know, any skill players, you need some other skilled guys around you. And, and I, listen, let me let me give you a great example you've heard use here, real quick. Okay, Craig Conroy. All right, when Craig Conroy was with the St. Louis Blues in his, in the in the early part of his career, okay, and the Blues got him in that trade from Montreal. All right, solid player. Picked up around 40 points his first year, but then dropped down to 39 in, in the 2000, my first year with the team. In 2000, 2001, he had less than 30 points, playing sometimes in a fourth-line role with, with Joel Quenville, right? They make the move. They trade him to Calgary. He ends up playing with Jerome again. Like he puts up a 75-point season, right? And then was knocking on the door of 60 points. And, and, and then the first year in a new deal, put up a 60-point a season with the LA Kings. To me... 
that's the kind of example Robert Thomas could end up being if he gets some of those players around him. But even then, I think his play has got to improve to be able to take advantage of that. Curves, we always appreciate the time, man. We're looking forward to the hockey season officially starting up in the not-too-distant future. All the best to you, and we'll talk with you again soon. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Absolutely. That's Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. I think Robert Thomas, I think he said it right, and we kind of talked about this for the baseball season with Paul DeYoung. I think he's a swing player for the Blues. If he does actually exceed expectations, if he takes that next step that we thought could have come from him last season, man, this team looks pretty stacked down the middle. If he doesn't, though, I do think it's going to leave you wanting a little bit more from that third line, and it makes you question what What's it look like for Robert Thomas moving forward in St. Louis? He's still very, very young, but I I think that he is one of those pivotal pieces for what the Blues are going to be in 2021. In my opinion, as much as we talk about defense being a mainstay for this team, being a contender this season, it also comes down to that third line. If you don't have a third line that's competitive, that can make teams question how their uh, defensive linemen's are you're going to be an easy team to target in the central. You got to have four solid lines. And I think it comes down to that third line. You need Thomas to play like a top six winger or a top six centerman that wants to play there rather than the guy who's pushed to the third line because he's not performing. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. Join the 101 Bomberito Street Fleet this Thursday from 6.30 to 8.30 at Cybergs on Gravoy for the Michelob Ultra Putter Challenge. Free to play indoor golf game where you can score prizes and Michelob Ultra swag. Plus, this is your chance to win a free trip for two to this year's Ryder Cup. Don't miss out. It's this Thursday night, 6.30 to 8.30 with 101 ESPN at Cybergs on Gravoy. For more information, go to 101ESPN.com. Mick Ultra made in Canada. No, I wouldn't be able to guess the no, state. Look, no. jerk, you weren't going to win the game if you oh, had that yeah, question or not. You oh, lost yeah. five to three. Get over it. You didn't know where Bush beer was made. Let's be I honest. Got it right, here. okay. You barely knew where the perennial was made. I got that right too. Time to cross things over. We've got BT in jerk. studio. BT, I appreciated your uh, eulogy for me yesterday, man. Look, I, I apologize. I was going to lead with that. No, it's I came all good. In. It's all good. Um, <laughs> When I the music it. played, stuff had to happen. Look, Meat randomly throws out the Sarah McLaughlin. I can't just let it sit there on their own. No, I we thought the three-minute the uh, prelude where you guys talked about how terrible I am at everything, I, that, that really, that hit it home. What that was supposed to at do, it, and look, I, look, maybe I don't know you well enough to, um, <laughs> to like find out what sort of, well, we're going to find out, what sort of coaching style you best sure. uh, best click with. We are hoping you're more of a stick than a carrot guy uh, because we gave you the I stick either yesterday. Works. You yeah. know, it was just kind of a look. He, he didn't show up. Uh, he, he didn't put his picks in. He didn't put much effort you put into it. put your picks in? That was an accident. Oh, yeah, no. I, well, accidents <laughs> cost the team, don't they? And when enough people have accidents, whether, uh, you know, and accidents do happen, uh, when they happen over and over again, Five that ends up. See, being what on. he doesn't realize is that this is going to be a Randy Rosarena thing, where he, you know, videotapes the post-game speech. Whoops, accident. Uh, but then he goes on to do great things. Well, who's our Matthew Liberator then? That's what I want to know. I'll, I'll I think his that. name's Matt. 
Matt Holiday. Well. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> true, actually. <laughs> We're going to have to ask him. That's he true. actually goes by the same name. He's also rather large. Yeah, I know. A, a, a pretty big human being. Yeah, so I guess what? that goes to the point, though, of ass hats to assets. Yeah. yeah. We got to beat those guys this year, though, I would think. Hey, I listen, mean, I get it. Like, if you guys you're were... a football guy. Like, we counted on you. <laughs> I... Totally Because like you, you, you know your stuff, yeah. and you're like in, in. Yep. yep. But then um, you don't even put in picks. Yeah. <laughs> How? You know, it's that a great question. Not enough stake in the I game? I actually legitimately don't Doesn't remember care. what the excuse was, but it doesn't much matter. It, it was on me. I own that. I will be better. And this Look, year, for the three shit. of us. Excuses uh, are made by losing teams. That's right. No excuses here. Uh, I will no, be better. There's no camaraderie in this room See, right now. Jump you. ship. Jamie uh, Jamie also forgot to put his picks in. Multiple forgot times. once and then didn't, like... And then he, he tried to blame the computer. The Ooh, I wasn't time. logged in. Come on, Jamie. He tried yeah. to like hire IT to dig into it, that <laughs> like to see if that actually happened. It. If they could follow the keystrokes <laughs> of him putting in his picks for the uh, pick'em challenge. Uh, look, uh, like here's the guy that I'm looking squarely at. And I know this guy is a. a uh, he, he likes to be coached by the the motivation, right? Like the, Carrot? the more. No, he's more stick. of the stick. He's more of the stick. Just got to go. Anthony Stalzer's got to be better. I mean, he is. He he is our resident mm-hmm. football expert. Uh, he he's dug in. Like, he knows everything. You throw him a football question, boom, he's got it. You throw him some picks, bam, he fumbled them. So this year is going to be a better year for us as a team. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Our textures are just Don't read it, man. Relentless. Don't do it. BT, your first mistake was trusting BK. If he can't hit a softball, what makes you think he can be trusted in football? Well, Sir or madam, those are two very, very different things. And the other thing is this required zero athletic ability. Which is the thing that should have been better for me. I your wrist a little bit. matter. In fairness, though, if if in fact these two things were flip-flopped, right? If we had the softball event, we got to see that show before the football challenge, even though it has nothing to do with physical capabilities, we might have pivoted. And just like, eh. Maybe someone else would be better here. Again. Kind of would have understood. <laughs> no, <laughs> would have been understandable. No. no, I'm joking. You guys do a fantastic job. That's You're awesome. By the way, I was really enjoying, first of all, your segment about uh, the, the bargain bin pitching earlier. I like that a lot. And I had no idea it was called Spot Rack either, T-Bone. <laughs> I called Thank it like Spo Track a lot. I called it that for years, and then I got the guy from Spot Rack on, and he said it was Spot Rack. I was like, oh, okay, I guess it's Spot Rack. Why? What does that mean? Like I have spot no rack? Idea, what is it? Because it, like, it's such it's a great website, and it's a very, very useful. I was doing that to uh, earlier. I was looking on spot rack. Spot rack. Thank you. I was looking on that earlier today <laughs> to rack. see how screwed the Cardinals might end up being in the division. Turns out they might be screwed for a while because the Brewers have a lot of pitching that's huh. cost controlled yeah. for quite some time. Like those three studs but, they got. BK, th- BK Willie Adams. He thinks they're a year away. Hater. Who's a year away? He thinks the Cardinals, Cardinals are a year fine. away. Which year? 2022, big guy. What's the, what's going to be the big change? So there's the oh, shortstops that are available. They're very good. I know. They're super available. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to sign one. Yeah. What's coming up today on one the year, BT. One year. Look, we'll lead with that. I mean, if you think it's going to happen. I mean, no. Hey, we all know we would love to see something like that. Yeah. I think a lot of things hey, have there happened. Were, there are a lot of detractors on the Nolan Arenado thing, too. And sure, for happened. sure. For and sure. it happened. Well, because it happened a year, like a year before. You heard the same exact <laughs> yeah. rumors. Like, okay, here we go. So who knows? Look, uh, we're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about how you might not even need a shortstop because Paul DeYoung's figuring out how to unlock oh, himself. Oh, we talked about that, too. Yeah, we, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> Look, we're going to break it all down. We're going to have some fun. And we're going to have to – oh, we're also uh, going to hire new commissioners for every single sport. Really? And who will help guide each one of these sports to the promised land. I like that. The award-winning – 
Fast Lane is coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back tomorrow at 11, right here on 101 ESPN. You going to give yourself a ding? You going to go ding here? Find my ding. (laughs) You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited-time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.